Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Hope you all had a lovely weekend. Just one week left until we officially move into football season. And, of course, what comes with that, a new season of Glenn Clark Radio, which will be our ninth, our ninth season of Glenn Clark Radio, gets underway next Tuesday. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Griffin, did you get your hair cut? I did, yeah, yeah. Look I had. That. I was thinking about look saying at, uh, I got my that. ears lowered. Yeah, that's a. My, I had a teacher in high school. That yeah, that that. I, or you could say you got your hairs cut because I got more than one. <sighs> got a whole. I still do that. By the way, I don't, I don't. I don't do the second part of it, but I do when I refer to it. I do say I'm going to get my hairs cut. I do, but I'm also an old man. I'm allowed to do certain things. My hip is purple. I'm allowed to do certain things. It's the way it goes. Um, busy Monday edition of the program coming up on the show today. I don't know how to pronounce Mike's last name. Mike Axisa, Axisa. We need to get an answer on that. Uh, CBSSports.com. It's a question we've been asking a lot of people. How did this happen with the Baltimore Orioles? Mike wrote a lengthy piece for CBS about it. We will discuss it with him. It's CBS Day, apparently, because yeah. later on in the program, our buddy Joel Corey, former NFL agent now, also with CBS Sports, he's going to join us. He laid out a scenario where he believes everybody can get what they need to get in a Lamar Jackson deal. Even with the context of Jay Glazer's report about the Deshaun Watson contract, he believes he's figured out a scenario where all parties can come away feeling like they've they've won something. I would like for that to happen already. I'm kind of sick of this. We'll talk to Joel Corey about it. Um, Jeremy Kahn will make his triumphant return to the program. I believe he was back on his own show this morning. I think. I think he was. I feel bad. I don't. I don't listen. I'm so sorry. I listened to it, to it for a couple it, it, minutes. You know what? I don't feel all that bad. He doesn't listen to this either. What, who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? I feel bad. He doesn't listen to us. Um, and also this morning, our friend Tyus Bowser is going to join us. Um, look, I'll just tell you guys now. We recorded before Tyus was officially put on. Um, Whatever the pup, what what is the what is it called? I don't know the pup list. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what they call it. I guess that uh, keeps them out for the first four weeks of the yeah. season. Um, so we only we kind of slightly danced around. Like we did, I did address like, hey, you know, hopefully gonna be out there soon. It's not like we didn't bring it up. But the reason why Tyus is joining us is because the bigger news for us here at Pressbox is that season two of the Tyus Bowser show gets underway in just over a week. Now, we're hoping that Tyus is going to be back out on the field before too long, and he could return as early as week five. That would be very good news for everybody, not just those of us here. I mean, everybody. This football team would be better with Tyus Bowser on the field. So we hope that's the case. Of course, Tyus you know, doesn't know just yet exactly when it's going to be. That's fine. In the meantime, Tyus will be bringing his special guests all over town for Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show, which gets underway next Tuesday night, September 6th. Come celebrate my birthday with me. I'll even let you buy me a, a, a brew at the Guilford Hall Brewery. I won't consume it. I'll give it to somebody else because I don't drink beer anymore. But I have been told the beer is exceptional at uh, Guilford Hall Brewery. I bet I'm looking forward to being there. The, the location is amazing. 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. Food's great. Beer's quality. We're going to have a great night next Tuesday night with Tyus Bowser and his special guest. And you can join us. And if you're wondering, like, is there a catch? No. There's no catch. 
just come out, spend your evening with us, and we'll take breaks during the show, and it'll give you the opportunity to come up and say hello and meet Tyus and his guest, and um, you can bring one item to be autographed, and we'll let you get a picture with Tyus. We got to keep the line moving because we need to give everybody their opportunity to say hello and uh, meet the players, but there is no catch here. There is no nothing for this one. There might be some in the future that we do this season where we try to use them for our charitable efforts and we ask you to bring out donations in order to meet uh, Tyus. By the way, our friends at Great Eights Memorabilia had an event yesterday with Isaiah Likely at uh, Wise Markets in Perry Hall and holy F. <laughs> Isaiah Likely is a very popular man here in Baltimore and they did a lot of good for the Transformation Center which is awesome. So that was cool to see. But uh, yeah, we'll be out next Tuesday night. Tyus Bowser Show returns season two. If you want to find out more, go to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We've already got the first four shows announced, locations and dates set up for the first four episodes of the Tyus Bowser Show. We've got some more dates that we have nailed down, and we will announce them as we get closer. We promise those that information is coming. We're going to have a great time with Tyus all season long, and um, he was telling me that he's already had some of his teammates say, yeah, dude, I'm in. I'm in for this season. Last year was a little bit difficult. Some guys were still a little bit worried about, hey, being out around people. I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to – like we understand. And we did everything kind of safely last year and socially distanced, but there were still people that were nervous about it. Tyus was like, man, I, everybody this year has been like, dude, I'm in. I'm in. So I'm stoked for that. will be an exciting season of the Tyus Bowser Show. It's all brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia. And if for whatever reason you happen to miss the show live, you will be able to listen this season on, not only here on Glenn Clark Radio, we will air the segments of the show in the days that follow each Tyus Bowser Show. We will post the video up on YouTube and Facebook, but also if you're driving around on a Friday night, you'll be able to hear it on 105.7 The Fans. So... Mm -hmm. We're excited about all of these things. <sighs> I wish I should I should be following this up by saying, and we're excited because that's a great transition, and we're excited about the Orioles going down to Houston and winning a series. That's exactly what I should be saying. I should be saying, and look at that segue, radio professional, we're excited about the Tyus Bowser show, and we're sure as hell excited about the Orioles going down and beating the best team in the American League on the road in two of three games. That's remarkable. So why am I not feeling it? We addressed this yesterday, uh, Reed and Glenn on the fan. Thank you to those of you that tuned in. Our final Sunday show, we'll be doing a show on Labor Day uh, in the afternoon, 3 to 6.30, and then um, we'll transition to postgame um, for Ravens season this year. Looking forward to that. But I addressed this yesterday in the 5 o'clock hour of the show after the game was over. I was like, I should, by any standard, this is insane. This is insane. But this team is still in this thing this deep into the year and just went down to Houston, the best team in the American League, and took two out of three games. That should be a, a testament. It should be uh, truly what warms the cockles of my heart. And my cockles are rarely warmed. This should be everything that I could ask for. In any normal world, this was where all of the, the fun ended. In a normal world, 
the Orioles go down to Houston, get their brains bashed in for a few days, and are reminded of who they are and who they're not. In a normal world, this is we, we get in here on Monday and we're like, this is probably about the end of it. This is probably where where we look back and you know the good things fell apart like it was a Elenium Ill- John Bellion song in any normal world. But this isn't a normal world. This is the 2022 Baltimore Orioles. And the 2022 Baltimore Orioles inexplicably sent Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, and Austin Voth to the mound, and the three of them absolutely shut down the Houston Astros. And because of that, they were able to win the series. I think you know why it is that I'm not feeling it. I think what you know, and you've probably felt a little bit too, is that the six runs that the Orioles scored in three games tax on to the offensive troubles they've been having for a couple of weeks and leaves me with this uncomfortable feeling of, yeah, this was this was amazing. But can they survive if they're not going to hit? And to be fair, it's not like they never hit. Of course, they had the huge explosion the previous Friday night against Boston. And they ended up scoring some late runs when they were needed in order to win games against the White Sox this week. It's, it's difficult to define it is almost impossible to define exactly what the troubles are. Because the best blanket way to say it is we just don't think the offense is quite consistent enough to be able to get over the hump. Remember, they still have to make up ground in order to get in. Now, if they're going to pitch like they did this weekend. Because this is different. This weekend wasn't the um, wasn't uh, a well pitched weekend by the standard of expectations. This would have been a well pitched weekend for Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, and Justin Verlander. This would have been a well pitched weekend for Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara. Sorry. This would have been a well pitched weekend for anyone. I mean, I guess both in that scenario needed to go a little bit longer, but still, this was insane what these three starters did. If I believed that that's what the Orioles pitching staff was, maybe I would still be able to enjoy this a little bit more and not continue to have the concerns that I do about the offense, but I don't. I don't believe that this is the story. If it is, one, holy crap, give Chris Holt whatever amount of money, lock him down to a lifetime contract, kidnap him, force him to live in the stadium forever. Just based alone on what Austin Voth has done since arriving, maybe we should do that. Again, I, I, I struggle. I know they've pitched, the starters have pitched well. Certainly beyond any level of expectation we could have for this nondescript group. It's truly bonkers. 
but do I believe it can continue to hold up for the rest of the season if the bats don't come back to life? <sighs> Not really. And I've, we got to put it in perspective, too, though. I mean, yeah, the offense has been struggling. It doesn't look good. I don't think this is a good defense for it. But Houston does have they have the best bullpen in the American League, I think is what they were saying, all weekend. And then, and then obviously, I mean, their starting rotation is probably one of the best in the in the, all of baseball as well. So it's, you know, I, you don't expect them to really, you know, score 10 runs or, you know, have 15 runs like and, they did and, the other and night. And again, if it but, was just this weekend, then right, we'd, right. we'd probably say, okay, so it is. So it is, but it's not just this weekend. It's been prolonged for the better part of the season. I mean, it's so funny because we were reminded by this of this by a, a caller yesterday, which was going into the season. Remember, the story of the Orioles was, look, they've got a professional lineup. They've got a legitimate major league lineup, but no matter how many runs they score, they just don't have any pitching. Well, as it turns out, it's the exact opposite of that. As it turns out, they've got all this pitching without even having their best pitchers. They've got all this pitching, and they just don't have enough with the bats. <sighs> so what do you do? We still remain on Gunnar Henderson watch. It, it could be today. It could be that he arrives. It's day off for everybody. There's some rumors swirling about the um, Grayson Rodriguez's future and there being an announcement being made and there are there are rumors that perhaps there could be more announcements coming and that Gunnar Henderson maybe could show up in Cleveland this week. Of course, we all thought this was going to happen last week and it did not. So maybe we ease up a little bit on all that. As I continue to say, I'm still uncomfortable with the idea that Gunnar Henderson, a 21-year-old who has never played in the major leagues, is supposed to be what saves the Orioles' offense this season. Would it help to not see Rugnet Odor in the lineup most days? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would take much to improve upon what it is that you're getting from Rugnet Odor. So if you could just get solid defense and a little bit from the bat, then you're probably in better situation. But the idea that it's going to completely change and you know alter the course of what the Orioles are doing offensively, yeah, I'm not I'm not with that. When do we start talking about the guy that's batting fourth every night? Yeah, that guy, like, I mean, uh, we've semi been talking about him. The first inning, it was first and third, nobody I'm, out. I'm with you. Mm. Now, like, again, he was facing Justin Verlander. Right, right. We have to be fair about that. But he, he, he swung at three chin-high, I don't I, think it was, I don't think he swung at all three, but he swung at two chin-high fastballs. And I understand. And look, that, that we've, we've had a, a secondary conversation. And I'm the, the two names that I'm, I'm now ready to put in it, I think there's a second, there's a subtext to what's going on right now. Because what's going on right now is both macro and micro, right? In the, the micro, it's how are you getting enough offense to stay in this playoff race and get to the postseason when you still have ground to make up? The macro is are Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes really quality major league bats that can be part of this thing? For the next few years to come. Because we've known that guys like Urias were placeholders. Like, I get it, for a month here this season, we were starting to convince ourselves that maybe he wasn't. But for the most part, we've understood. Urias, Odor, those are placeholders. 
We thought Mateo might be a placeholder. We're we're now conflicted about that. We're conflicted about whether or not Mateo is a placeholder. We think actually at the moment that he might be a longer term option, but we still we're we're very much we're, we're I guess we're moving closer to that column. Those two are guys that started the season in column A. Guys who we genuinely believe were part of the solution for some time. And for a little while, Austin Hayes looked like he was the guy that we were ready to give money to and cement ourselves around. But now the macro, the subtext to all of this is, or are those positions that you should be looking to upgrade as soon as this offseason? And that's a tricky conversation to have. But that's, we have to acknowledge, kind of where we are. Anthony Santander, again, maybe somebody that we were ready to move on from. He's been the most consistent player from game one to now in this lineup all season long. Cedric Mullins certainly is deserving of continuing to be a part of the plans for the future, even if he hasn't been spectacular this season. He's still been very solid. And he does enough otherwise that you're willing to say, hey, maybe this is just a down year. You run that back out there. But those two, Mountcastle and Hayes, are the guys that I feel like we're sitting down now and saying, yeah, what what, what exactly are they as part of the Orioles' future? What are, are you just penciling them back into the lineup in 2023 if you're trying to contend for something that matters? Or do you have to acknowledge now that you need to get better at those positions? I'm not telling you I have the answer. I don't. But you can only upgrade your offense in so many spots. The, the, uh, the rest of the infield, we're assuming the upgrades will be internal. Gunnar Henderson is going to have a spot on this team. Presumably Jordan Westberg is not far from that either. You could try to go upgrade and get one of these shortstops that's out on the open market, but then you're moving on from Jorge Mateo, who appears to be more deserving, or you're temporarily moving Jorge Mateo until Gun- uh, uh, Jordan Westberg is ready. There's only so many positions that are available. You're clearly not going to have an offensive upgrade at catcher. I don't think you're going to prioritize center field, although I guess you could make the argument that if you found a center fielder, you could move Cedric Mullins to a corner outfield spot. The problem is, once you move him to a corner outfield spot, you you can't upgrade that, and you really do need to add one more bopper in your lineup. You do need to add one more true slugger. Right now, those are the two spots that you look at and say especially if you're committed not having a full-time DH because Adley Rutschman's going to have to DH a certain number of games. Those are your spots. Are you are you committed to these guys? I Right now, I would have to lean no. But is that fair? I mean, again, we're only a couple of months removed from Austin Hayes looking like one of the best players in baseball. Ryan Mountcastle is a year removed from being a genuine middle-of-the-lineup power guy. So is 
is a disappointing couple of months enough to say, well, now you got to look for an upgrade? Or do you owe it to the organization to keep it going? I, I don't know. Now, those are, again, macro questions. Those aren't micro questions. Micro is how you going to score enough runs the rest of the way. And there's only so many things you can do about that. Again, Gunnar Henderson is the most obvious thing that you can do to try to help. But there's a limit to that. You could stop letting anyone have a day off. I know that's what a lot of Orioles fans complain about. You could just say, hey, there's a month left in the season. Nobody gets an off day anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Everybody's in the lineup every day. If you're if you're hitting even a lick, you don't get an off day. I mean, maybe there's an argument for that. I don't know. But how many guys are really hitting a lick right now? I mean, who are we really saying isn't going to have an off day at that point? I, I don't I don't know what else there is to be done other than to say you just have to kind of hope. You have to hope that one or two more bats come to life over the course of the next week and the pitching continues. The frustrating part for me yesterday was I don't know why it needed to be a B bullpen day. I don't know why a night after you only used one reliever you needed to go back to your B bullpen. I certainly understand why Felix Batista wasn't available yesterday, but I don't, for the life of me, understand why the plan wasn't we're going to let Dylan Tate and CNL Perez try to get us through these next three innings to, to, to get us home. Now, I get it. If the Orioles were only going to score run, one run, it was always going to be an awful lot to ask of anyone. But Brian Baker and jo- Joey Crable? The Beeble pen? When again, you hadn't used Tate or Perez the night before. That part I don't understand. That part's the one that's head scratching to me. And then you have an off day today, too. Just Correct. Gonna be awfully rested going into the Cleveland series. I don't I don't get that. The plan for me all along would be I will ride both as long as I can, and then those those two dudes. I will try to get them to get me through nine innings. And if we got to get past nine innings, different conversation. But I that will be my intent. And I understand it's tricky, and I even brought this up a couple weeks ago. I understand it's tricky to have relief arms that you basically just say we're only going to use you in lopsided situations when you're a team that hasn't faced a lot of lopsided situations. It would seem as though... You can't really wait any longer for rosters to expand. If you think D.L. Hall is going to be able to help you at all, you need to get him here. These are the things at this point. I know you're saying, well, you're only a couple days away, right? Like, what? Stop it. This, the B bullpen ain't working. You cannot trust the B bullpen in real game situations. And Keegan Aiken, unfortunately, has also moved into the B bullpen. Like, there's three relievers that you have any amount of faith in at all at this point. And one of them, you're starting to put out there for two innings every time he pitches. And I get it. I get why Felix Batista is making a lot of two-inning appearances anymore. I, I understand. But it's a lot to ask. A lot to ask. Um, all that being said, the Orioles did still take two out of three in Houston. And this thing continues to have legs. This... This ride, we're still on it. And, you know, who knows? Who knows?
The Orioles, of course, are off, as we pointed out, tonight, and they head to Cleveland for a three-game set with the Indians. And they're only a game and a half back of the Jays for the third wild card spot. They're, uh, I don't, they're very much in the mix. But they got to score. They, the offense has to come to life somehow. They're, they're, they've got to find a way to get going. Um, uh, want to see Matt Torper? I want to see the Orioles make a run at Jose Abreu or Josh Bell this offseason, or maybe Hosmer if you want to be cheap because he would be a good platoon at first with Mountcastle. Nothing wrong with keeping Mountcastle and bringing in another first base bopper. If both are hitting, so much the better. Outfielder is more complicated because of the minor league log jam there. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I would still say that's a problem I can solve down the road. Like, to, to say, hey, Heston Kerstag, Colton Kalzer, those guys are coming. Y- yes. Let me solve that problem when it exists. That's always what I'm... If you're trying to win, I'm not assuming problems. I'm, I'm solving problems when they're in my face is when I'm assuming them. Um, right now, the infield problem is in your face. Gunnar Henderson's about to be here. Jordan Westberg's right behind him. I get it. Colton Kowser has lit the world on fire at AA, but we know how the Orioles operate. They're going to bring him up to AAA. They're going to make him succeed there next year before they'll consider that. And there are so many things that can occur injury-wise. Um, there's just a million things that can happen between now and then. I'm not going into next season saying, hey, I can't address outfield because Colton Kowser might be here at some point. No, I need I need to put the best team on the field. Now I get it. I your your thought, Matt, about you know getting a, a first base bat and saying you know, there's also a lot of DH at bats to be had until on days where Adley Rutschman isn't DHing, so it's you know kind of a good problem to have. Probably the case. Probably true. I I'm inclined with you. They need a bopper. They need another guy, and if you're saying, I want to ride this thing out with Mountcastle for at least another season to figure out if he can come, whatever it is, he can get back to being a middle-of-the-order bat, I'm probably inclined to listen to that, that he does, that you ride it out for one more year before you kind of make a dramatic decision. All right, today's show is also brought to you by your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Final days for you to take advantage of the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill, which includes the South Carolina barbecue chicken. It includes the Cracker Jack Sunday, the lobster roll with the grilled corn. I believe they're keeping the opener on the menu because they damn well better with the flash fried pork belly and the Korean number two sauce. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to get your order in. Let's talk more about the Orioles. Mike Axisa. Axisa. We got to figure out what that is. Griffin's on it. CBSSports.com. How has this happened? He's got uh, he's got some answers. We'll talk about it next. Glenn Clark Radio. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with PressBox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests and, of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, September 6th at 7 p.m. at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. (laughs) 
That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Hey, O's fans, enjoy Labor Day at the Yard this year with a full day of baseball, family fun, and a giveaway before the Orioles clash with the Toronto Blue Jays on Monday, September 5th at 105. Arrive early to celebrate Orioles slugger Ryan Mountcastle. Be one of the first 15,000 fans, 15 and over, and receive a Ryan Mountcastle t-shirt before catching the action-packed game. A variety of ticket options are available. Don't wait until the last minute. Secure your tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. If you haven't picked up the new print issue of Press Box, it is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. On the cover, as we move into football season, you find Mark Andrews, Bo Smolka, really diving in to the unlikely path that the Ravens tight end took to NFL stardom. Again, that print issue of Press Box available right now. You know, the question we've been asking basically like every guest that we've had on this program for the last month, how did this happen? Because I'm still struggling with it. I've been watching it every day. And Mike Exisa from CBSSports.com really dove into that as well as I feel like maybe he almost was listening to the show because he's basically touching on every topic that we've been discussing of late. He's with us now here on GCR. Mike, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Sure. Happy to do it. Um. I, I, this is the really weird part, right? What I'm struggling with, Mike, is we all know the Orioles have a foundation of young talent and more coming in the pipeline. 
we also know that they've put together a magical season. But is this season, is 2022 more about smoke and mirrors than it really is about them having sort of turned the corner? And are we still looking at a franchise that, like, whenever they're ready to compete for something more significant, it's more likely that the players that will be part of that are still not even here yet? Uh, well, I think it's certainly more, this is a legitimate turnaround than, than smoke and mirrors. I mean, when you have a team that has a lot of young talent, which the Orioles do, and a lot of these players are players that, I mean, have been in the organization for five, six years now. They were here before Mike Elias. When you have young players like this, they all kind of start to arrive at the same time, kind of come into their own. The team can get really good really fast. I think we saw that a few years ago. I mean, the Rays in 2018 are a good example, but the Braves did it. The Rockies even did it for a few years there, but they've kind of come back to earth. And the Astros, of course, with the Cubs. When you have a good young core, you could kind of arrive ahead of schedule. And I think if you gave, like, Mike Elias a true serum, he would say they weren't really expecting to be a game and a half out of the last wild card spot on, uh, what is it, August 29th. Um, I think certainly there's no one correct way to build a winning team. You know, you can't just do it through the draft. You can't just do it through free agency. You look at the best teams, the teams that that win the World Series, the teams that go deep in the postseason, they do a little bit of everything. And this seems like the offseason where, okay, you've got your young foundation in place. You've got your homegrown superstar, Nelly Rutschman. He's probably, if he's not the best catcher in baseball already, he probably will be by this time next year. Okay, this offseason is when you should start adding to this team. And, and maybe that doesn't mean going out and spending $300 million right. on a free agent. But there, there's some pieces there where you can, you can always add another starting pitcher. Maybe you get a more reliable veteran bat for the middle of the lineup. There's ways to improve the core. But, yeah, I think this is certainly like a real step forward for them. This isn't fluke where, you know, if you kind of the cautionary tale of the Tigers last year, the Tigers were, particularly if they were over 500 for their last something like 120 games, and then this year they completely fell flat. I feel much more better about this Orioles team than I did last year's Tigers team. Last year's Tiger team, that was certainly more fluky than this year's Orioles team. I, let, let me try to, because I, I know what you're saying, and I think you're right. I think what I'm struggling with is specifically like the position players. We were just having a conversation a couple minutes ago, Mike, about Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle, who are both big parts of this team. But I look at both of them, and I'm not really sure if they're high-level major league hitters that – that the Orioles should be making plans to have be part of this. And I, I, it's a weird conversation to be having because here they are in the thick of a playoff race, and yet we're kind of talking – we're doing both macro and micro here, right? Like we're, we're both yeah. looking at the, the desire to get in, and then we're really looking at the desire to take a next step as a franchise, and to your point, the money they might spend – and those are two examples of guys like Austin Hayes for the first three months of the season was a rock star. We were talking about a guy that maybe you'd go ahead and extend and you you certify as a centerpiece. And now just a couple months later, I'm here scratching my head like, or do you try to upgrade that position as soon as this offseason? Yeah, that's those are the tricky spots. And those are the, the two right players to kind of highlight there because Mountcastle, I mean, he obviously has legitimate power there. I mean, that's very real power not the greatest plate discipline and you kind of always have to worry about a player like that. Is he going to make the correct swing decisions to really tap into his power and kind of get to that next level? And sometimes it happens and sometimes a guy really takes off, but a lot of times it really doesn't. And he settles in as kind of a, a good player rather than a truly great player. I mean, the perfect example of this is Mark Trumbo who had a great year for yep. the Orioles a few years ago, but yep. throughout his career, he's been more of a good player than a great player. 
CJ Crone's another guy like that. He has huge power, but kind of low on base percentages. You know, first base and left field, they're not the most difficult positions to find talent in free agency every offseason. So if you wanted to upgrade that spot, yeah, that's a place where there will be options available. It's not going to cost you a ton of money to do it. If you want to make a trade, it won't cost you a boatload of prospects. I like Hayes. I think Hayes is a lot better than he's shown. And I think, you know, if he's not, is he a number two, three, four hitter on a championship team? No, but can he hit seventh or eighth for a championship team? Yeah, I think so. But again, if you feel like, well, maybe we move on from this player, trade him for another piece somewhere else, and then we sign a left fielder, that seems like an avenue as well that they could do. That's the, the good thing is they have options there. Like if you yep. want to stick with Hayes on the field, you could do that and you'll be okay. If you want to trade him, that's okay too. Mountcastle is the one I have a little trouble with. The power is, I mean, it's obviously legitimate power. I'm just not sure if there's going to be enough other there to really support that profile. And it seems like you might be able to get a better player down the road. So I'm not sure how he fits long-term, but he's not anyone who's dragging you down right now. No, that's the, that's the difficult part, right? About the entire conversation, Mike is like, I'm not trying to seem like, well, this guy stinks or this is not Chris Davis that we're talking about. Like this is a helpful piece but you're just trying to figure out where the room is to take the next step. And and I know you address like Gunnar Henderson is coming and we think on the, you know, Jorge Mateo has probably earned the right to stick around at least for the short term moving forward because he's offered so much defensively and what he does running the bases and the bats shown some life of late. I, I There's only so many spots where you could say, here's how you go from, you know, good to great, if you will, as a franchise. Yeah, and I think Elias, he has good experience about this with the Astros where they had some players who were exactly like you described. They're good players, maybe not truly great players. And Mateo's kind of a really interesting one because the, the good parts of Jorge Mateo are really, really good. I mean, when he makes contact, he could really drive the ball. He could obviously fly. Really good defender. But he's also got like a 270-something yep. on-base percentage. Yep. He swings and chases out of the zone a lot. So he's like the perfect player to kind of almost like a stopgap where you're trying to transition from rebuild to contender but ideally he's probably not the shortstop long term but so you know i mean what do you do with that guy you turn him into a multi-position guy because he has played the outfield earlier in his career he's played other positions you know maybe he's just to use the astros comparison with elias you know they had marwin gonzalez on their championship team playing looks like a different position every day it felt like and maybe mateo could be that guy that's the difficult part they're they're sorting out Okay, who's here for the long haul? Right. Who's somebody who is maybe just a stopgap who's not gonna who's just kind of filling a role now that we could upgrade on? And I think you know you do have Gunnar Henderson coming, so someone's gonna have to give on the left side of the infield there. You know, Urias has had a good season as well, but he's kind of like Mateo, where he's it's like okay, he's doing okay, but he's still got a sub three hundred on base percentage. Maybe he's not long term piece. So something's gonna have to give there because Henderson's coming and he's gonna take one of those spots. And I mean, if you're the Orioles, don't you have to like think about maybe signing a shortstop. You know, I, I keep coming back to the Correa connection because of Elias, but Correa, he's so young. He's still only he's going to play the entire season at 27. Next year, he'll be 28. He's got the history with Elias. He's a legitimate superstar player. If you're going to spend money on a player, that seems like the kind of guy you do it. It would remind me of when the Cubs signed John Lester before they were really ready to, before they were a slam dunk World Series contender, they signed Lester, then bam, the next year they were 90-something win team and making a run. I don't know if the Orioles will do that. I don't think they will, but, boy, if you're looking at the guy to get on paper, that would be him for me. He is Mike Axisa from CBSSports.com. He's with us here on GCR. 
Um, Mike, I'm, I'm glad you bring uh, Carlos Correa up, right? Because it's everything you just brought up, it's why we've never been able to sort of drop the conversation in recent years. But I do start to wonder, not to take anything, I think Carlos Correa is a really good baseball player. But but is he a $200 million baseball player? Like, it, is that really the way that a franchise like this, that is still more than, it's most likely that they're going to remain frugal otherwise. Is it? really the best way to go about spending big money to commit to someone who again good baseball player but you know the numbers the last couple of years don't register as superstar or transcendent necessarily well i think i think there's a lot of perspective needed with career and i think we are coming out of this era of shortstops where we had a rod and Miguel Tejada and Derek Jeter and these guys who perform like get, who hit like MVP caliber players and they were doing it at shortstop. You look at the league average shortstop, Correa compared to league average shortstop, he is a superstar. I mean, I know his numbers this year, maybe they don't jump off the page as like, you know, okay, they're not Freddie Freeman or Mookie Betts numbers, but relative to an average shortstop, Correa is an absolute star, I think, and he's right smack in his prime. I think he's easily a $200 million player. I thought he would get $300 million last year, but he ended up taking the one-year deal. And he's still only 28, so you're getting all this prime. Uh, I think if, you know, and the, and the Orioles, I mean, if they don't, I mean, a few years ago, they had a 160-something million dollar payroll. They can spend. If they if they sign Correa and then don't spend enough around him to have a World Series contender, I mean, that's on ownership. That's not a Correa problem. It's not a really a front office problem. There's no reason they should be spending, you know, only $100 million on a roster if that's what it ends up being, whatever the number is. I don't know. Because they've they've shown they can spend more. Your entire roster. I mean, you have no players under contract long term. I mean, I think you got an option for Jordan Wilds. John Means has a really cheap one year remaining on his contract after this season. There's no reason you can't sign Carlos Correa, lock up Adley Rutschman long term, afford your core players, and still add around them. I don't see why the Orioles can't do that. And realistically, if you want to win in the AL East, you got to do that. I understand they're not going to spend on par with the Yankees and the Red Sox. But you're gonna have to. You're not gonna be raised 2.0 here, where you're gonna have a 60 million dollar payroll and expect to kind of get into it every year and be in the race every year. That's just not a realistic expectation, I don't think. So maybe it's not Correa, but there's really no reason they shouldn't be running a much higher payroll within a year or two. I mean, and I'm talking well right. over 100 million dollars, which is what they've spent in the past. And uh, so it's not really unrealistic to expect them to do what they've done in the past. Uh, I am I am in agreement with you. I just think we're gun shy because once upon a time we said, ah, I got no problem signing Chris Davis because it shows that you're going to be willing to spend money. And then it was literally the exact opposite of that. That was the only money they spent, and it wrecked their franchise. So you know that's the only. I just. We're all still a bit nervous around these parts until we see it happen. Um, the, the assumption here is that when, when Mike Elias says they're spending money, is that the first thing they're going to do is they're going to spend it on pitching. Um, I, I feel like Orioles fans are all in love with Carlos Rodon, but I think the problem with that is that like everyone is in love with Carlos Rodon and that that might drive the price to a place the Orioles aren't willing to go. If that's the case, are there other arms that would be practical that could fortify... And again, maybe it's not the need because maybe we're finding out that Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish deserve to be part of this thing. It's it's so bizarre what's happened with his pitching staff that I don't know how to handle this, but the presumption has always been that pitching would be the place to spend money. What does that look like to you? What's practical to you this offseason? Yeah, you know, pitch it's a difficult the difficult kind of like offseason for, for uh, just pitching in general. I mean, you assume Jacob DeGrom's going to opt out, but I mean, are the Mets realistically going to get him away? No, I don't think. And even if he did explore options, are they realistically going to sign with the Orioles? No, probably not. 
And the worst contracts, the ones that really kind of mess up a franchise, are the big, maybe not $30 million a year, but it's like the $20, $22 million a year, five-year deal for a player who is good more than great. You know, it's it's not the star contracts, the big money deal for stars. Those aren't the ones that kill a franchise. It's the big money deals for players who are who are slightly above average and not truly great. That's So you don't want to go out and give, I'm trying to think who's free agent, someone like Nathan Ovalde. You don't want to give him four years this mm. offseason. Would mm. he make the team better in 2023? Yes. But that's probably going to be something you're going to regret in a year or two. So I don't know if, if going out and spending big on a starter is, is big as in long term here. I don't know if that's the best thing to do. Maybe they look to the trade market instead and, you know, trying to predict who's available. I mean, that's always tough. I think free agency, I think someone like Chris Bassett would be really kind of sensible for them because he's, I think he's 33 now, so he's not going to get a long-term deal. If you could get him for two years and even if it costs you $25 million a year, like yeah. who really cares? It's not going to screw you up long-term. It'll help you. It'll help you in the short term. And, and that's what I think. I'm looking at the Orioles now, and they're a game and a half out, and it's like, geez, if they had just done a little bit more than sign Jordan Lyles and a backup catcher last offseason, they could be in the race right now. I, so. oh, yeah, by the way, it is, I tell you what, look, I am I am still on board with the idea that Michael Elias is trying to buy, build a World Series winner and that this team wasn't going to win the World Series this year. But what's awfully difficult is that of late, they could really use one more bat and one more bullpen arm. <laughs> like, that's been the yeah. thing. And, oh, oh, that's what they traded. Yeah, yeah that's what they got rid of. But, and you that's, know. That's what I what I think is, I, I think the Mariners are in the same position here where there are ways to, to improve your team right now without hurting yourself long term. If you just maybe do a little bit more on short-term free agent contracts in the offseason and, and, you know, you can't go back to last offseason, obviously. But if you can do things, sign a one- or two-year deal, that's not going to derail your plan. It's not going to block a prospect forever. It's, there are ways to give yourself a couple extra wins in the offseason and give yourself a better chance without really farming your long-term plan. And it seems like a lot of teams are just kind of – those are the moves they're steering clear of. And they're – you know, the Orioles didn't do anything like that. I, thought the, I think the Mariners, where they are, with their postseason drought, the year they had last year, I expected them to do a little bit more in the offseason. They're – I mean, they're in postseason position now, but I feel like they they still did some stuff there that that they still didn't do some stuff there that they could have. I don't want the Orioles to be that team last year. There's some, there's going to be players available on short term deals, even if it's a trade. You know, you can't keep all your prospects. You're going to have to consolidate a bit and trade some of them, turn three or four good prospects into one great big leaguer. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of trades you're going to have to make at some point because there's just not enough roster spots for everyone, and some prospects they're just not going to work out. That's just baseball. So. So there are going to be ways to improve this team without hurting the long-term plan. It's just a matter of actually just going out and doing it because there's always a really easy to come up with reasons not to make a move. At some point, you just got to say, well, we're going to, we're going to kind of jump in here and we're going to do this and let's see what happens. All right. I want to wrap uh, quickly with two because I know I've kept you a while. Um, Mike Exisa, CBSSports.com. You mentioned the idea of signing Rutschman. I get it. Julio Rodriguez just got his deal from the Mariners, and everybody says, okay, sh- you know, shouldn't the Orioles be doing this? And I've been begging for this to be the thing that the Orioles do to show the fan base, hey, look, we're we're invested. It's a new era of Orioles baseball. This is still something that they have almost never done in their history in buying out arbitration years. There is There is always someone who says, yes, but Adley Rutschman is a catcher. Keep that in mind. And being very aggressive in this way, there's always a toll that might come from that. Do you have any amount of nerve at all about giving big money to Adley Rutschman immediately to try to get him to buy out a couple of arbitration years? 
this is easy for me to say because I'm sitting behind a keyboard and I don't have any like skin in this game at all. But if you're not going to sign this player long-term, who are you going to sign? And I know Rodriguez just got his contract. He's several years younger than Rutschman. And yes, you do have to consider that catchers do age pretty terribly, but Rutschman is still, I think he's 24. He's going to turn 25, not until sometime next year. I mean, what more do you want? He's a switch hitting catcher who hits, takes his walks, high on base percentages, great defensively. He's basically Buster Posey, but a switch hitter. And he's the kind of player you lock up for, you give him 10 years. And if the last two years are bad, well, then you just kind of deal with it when the time comes. And, and I think with the Orioles, at some point, you're going to have to take a risk here. Where, well, look, if we don't give Rutschman, if we don't give him a big long-term contract now, then we're going to have very little chance of keeping him when he hits free agency in a few years because teams are going to throw $200 million at him. And that's probably not something we're going to, that's not a bidding war we're not going to be able to win. So at some point, you got to kind of just take the risk, give him the big contract, say, this is my centerpiece, which he, I mean, what he's doing this year, I mean, rookie catchers, they come up, there's a steep learning curve there. It usually takes him a not just a couple months. It usually takes a few years to really settle in. This guy came up and was almost an instant star. So I think you lock him up. I don't know what exactly the numbers are. The Rodriguez contract doesn't really work out as a comparable because of the age difference. But I mean, he's obviously, you're going to have to give him nine figures clearly. And I think you give him the long-term deal and I would trust him because he's a great player. He's work ethic. He has all that. If it doesn't work out, well, then it doesn't work out. But at some point, you're just going to take the risk because this is probably your only way to keep him beyond his six years of team control. And you don't want to have this great young core come up and then, okay, you got your, you're suddenly in World Series contention and then, boom, your best player is pr- approaching free agency just as you're really starting to make, become a World Series contender. You don't want that to happen. So I think you take the risk, give him the contract, trust the player. And, I mean, I feel like if you're not going to lock this guy up, then I don't know who you're going to spend money on. I, I tend to agree with you. And then in, in 20 seconds, can they do this? Is, is Are we asking too much, given how many teams are also in this mix, given the daunting schedule they have to face while other teams don't have to face quite as daunting a schedule, um, like the Mariners? Um, it, can they somehow, given everything they're going through, get into the postseason? Sure, why not? I think that obviously they have a tough schedule. But realistically, it's just them and the Blue Jays. I kind of look at it. At least that's what the standings say right now. Them and the Blue Jays, and they still have ten games remaining. And so you control your own destiny there. You go out, you beat the Blue Jays in these head-to-head games, and you're going to put yourself in postseason position. You know, I don't really trust the White Sox to kind of. They, they've been sputtering all season. They're not really in the race. The Red Sox are not going to do anything. You take care of business head-to-head against the Blue Jays in these ten games coming up. I don't see why the Orioles couldn't go to the postseason. So I think it's likely no, but it's certainly possible. I'll take it. I'll take it. At Mike Axisa, A-X-I-S-A on Twitter. That's how you follow him. CBSSports.com, and we'll link up on Twitter. Um, really in-depth piece he wrote about the Orioles this weekend. Mike, is there anything else I can plug for you, sir? Oh, no, that's everything. Hey, man, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. We'd love to do it again before the season's over. Sure, absolutely. Mike Axisa, CBSSports.com. There's a lot there. Again, we're, the, the, the macro-micro thing, it's, it's just tough conversation. It's a difficult thing to try to figure out exactly what you do here. They, they got to get more offensively. And does the answer end up being, hey, instead of pursuing a Carlos Rodon, you say, we like the look of a, a means Rodriguez, you know, maybe throw in Lyles, Braddish, giving Kramer another shot, or going 
with a cheaper alternative as a fifth starter. I mean, look, let's be honest. They're going to make the Hall starter next year anyway. So really, Bradish is the guy that's the question mark. Like, do they say, honestly, we, we're comfortable with that as our rotation next year, and we're better off at this point spending the money to add another bat? Find out. Today's show is also brought to you by Swagger. Griffin was a winner playing Swagger this weekend. That's right. Finally. That's right. Finally. It finally worked out. I, I hit a baseball one on Friday night. Oh. I did like the late Mariners-Cleveland game. Okay. And I hit, I th- or did I hit? Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But I definitely hit on Saturday. Let's lie and say you did. <laughs> so it looks like you hit too. But you hit playing college football on Saturday? That's right. That's right. I did my research. So I, I knew random. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, the receiver for uh, Nebraska, was going to have a big game. He did. So I, uh, you know, I hit his player props. I knew there was gonna be two interceptions thrown in the game. Hit you really? Yeah. And this is the wild part: when Griffin says he hits, he barely hit went over five hundred. Four for seven playing college football props on Saturday, and yet, and that's the beauty of playing with Swagger. He won money. Didn't just get his money back. He won money despite barely being over five hundred. Four and three was good enough to be a money winner. That's the benefit of playing with Swagger. Swagger is a great alternative, as we still cannot bet on our phone or on our computer in the state of Maryland. You can play Swagger instead. It's player props. It's parlays. It's a lot of fun. And on top of that, unlike traditional betting parlays where you have to win every leg, you can be like Griffin and be just Average. Yeah, I went four for so I went four for seven on the baseball game Friday night, and four for seven on the college football game Saturday. Mediocre, <laughs> and yet a money winner. That's the benefit of playing with Swagger because you're trying to earn points, and if you get enough points with the picks that you make, you will win money. And it doesn't even have to cost you anything because when you go to playwithswagger.com/pressbox and sign up. You'll immediately get $10 free to play with, and and they'll match up to $100 when you make your first deposit. Free money for you to play with Swagger. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Sign up today and have fun playing with Swagger. Well, mentioned it earlier. We, um, we had this conversation actually last Friday. Um, but we're really excited about season two of the Tyus Bowser show getting underway. So it felt like maybe we should catch up with the host of the Tyus Bowser show. That would be one, the one and only Tyus Bowser. And let's chat with him right now here on GCR. And joined now here on GCR by the man himself. He is back with us for season two of the Tyus Bowser show starting September 6th. He is Tyus Bowser. What's going on, dude? How are you? What's up, man? Happy to be back for season two, man. Man, this is so cool. I I, honest to God, I never know. When we do these things, and we've done a lot of them over the years, sometimes players are like, man, that was fun, but I'm done with that. (laughs) I'm good. You decided to come back for more. Why? Why why was it that you said, I want to do this again? Uh, I just felt like just growing as a person, just being out there, being able to express myself, this is the great opportunity, the platform to be able to show people who I am. I'm a very quiet guy, so uh, just to have this show for another season, man, it's it's awesome. I, I dude, I had so much fun hanging out with you guys each and every yeah. week, and you brought out so many great guests during the course of the year. I know you're gonna be doing that again this year. Um, 
and I just feel like the show is a little bit different, right? Like, yeah, we, you know, we talk football. We're gonna do that. That's the way it goes. But I mean, what the hell? We can we can talk about hot sauce too, right? Like, <laughs> we can yeah, talk. For real. Actually, the true story is that Tyus gave me one of the best pep talks of my life last season. I did. I, did, <laughs> I needed that. How's it, how's it going for you? Everything's been good for me, man. I'm really excited. <laughs> Plus, this has been cool too. Like having Rita involved. Um, you know, I love God. I love Rita. She's the best. So this is this has been amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I guess P, the real question that people want to know is how things going for you, right? Like that's the that's the the looming question everybody's wondering about. Maybe people were like, "Hey, is is Tyus not going to do the show again?" Because nah, man, you're you're back and and you're getting ready. You're getting closer, right? It's- yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely be back. Um, I'm feeling good right now. We have everything going really well. And uh, just kind of taking it a day at a time. We're making the right steps, moving in the right direction. So that's all I'm worried about right now. And when I feel good, I feel good. And you'll see me back on the field. I I have no doubt that's true. Uh, Again, the Tyus Bowser Show starts Tuesday, September 6th. We'll be at Guilford Hall Brewery. 7 o'clock, looking forward to it. Uh, great sponsors this year, Maryland Vascular Specialist, Ginsu Grills. Uh, happy to have them out. Ty- Wait a second, Tyus, are you uh, do you, are you a man? You like to grill yourself a little bit? Man, see, this is, I hate to say this, but mm. I can't say I don't know how to grill because my dad is always grilled, so I kind of pay attention to what he does. But for me personally, I haven't really just grilled like that. So that's definitely something that I want to get into. We might have to make that a priority with our friends at Ginsu Grills this year. Might, might, have, might, have. might have to make it happen. Um, so what did your offseason like, look like? Give me, give me. I know obviously rehabbing was a big part of it, but did you get anywhere? I know you got back home, spent some time there. What was the offseason all like for you? So really the offseason once I got back home from, uh, from, re- well, from my surgery and stuff, was pretty much just chilling at the house for the most part. So with so much time on my hand, I've been really trying to get the house together. I bought a house in Houston uh, two years ago. So I actually had the opportunity to sit down and actually brainstorm and think of some th- think of some stuff, uh, go online and look, look up a few things to figure out what works for the house. So that's literally what I've been locked in on along with um, some financial stuff that I've been doing, bought me some land back home in Tyler. So, just trying to do some small things to kind of be productive during that long period and just rehab and stuff. So I get that. Wait, yeah, anything like and are you doing the projects yourself? Are you the type that's like, I'm I'm going to go attempt to like lay every, the foundation or are you like, dude, I'm I'm way too smart to think that I should be doing this myself? You know what's crazy part of me is interested in it because I kind of look at a few things on Pinterest and see what works, what type of vibe I'm looking for, colors, things like that. So a lot of the house I was able to do on my own. Wow. But I can't it is specifically by myself, but I've had some help, you know, some insight from good friends, specifically the women, because I've always been told that women have the best have the best thought process when it comes to stuff like that. So I've had a little help, but for the most part, the things that I've gotten is pretty much been on my own. So. Bro, we are we are doing some remodeling at my house right now and uh, Mrs. Clark is handling all of the planning because yeah. <laughs> in, inevitably she comes into me she's like, "Hey, do you do you care what color the bathroom is?" and I'm like, "Uh, do you do you do you want me to care?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey man. Which Hey, she knows she she knows what she's doing. That's so you the- just like that's dude that's the thing right like she knows exactly what she wants she doesn't really want me to like feel strongly about something she just wants me to say yeah. you know what you're doing 
she just wants you to feel like you're part of it or she doesn't feel like she's just leaving you out of it, you know it's so true dude. so i respect asking you that question even though she knows the answer already. And, and i just i've learned enough to know to say it, what what are you thinking what color are you thinking yeah. Yeah, you know what? Blue blue sounds really good to me. I think I like blue. That was, sounds good. Right. Hey, happy wife, happy life, man. Bro, I have learned that lesson a ton. Um, so people regularly bring up, I don't know if you remember this, we made, last year during the season, we made plans to, um, during this coming, this upcoming off season, that we are going to go rent the Jersey Shore house out and we're gonna party. You still down for doing that? One hundred percent. Yo, I I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait either. I, I just am... need details. Let me know whatever. Who was and... who was it that was out with us that night that wanted to come with us? Do you remember who it was? Was it Adafe? Was that who it was? I think it was because he's from the Jersey area. Right. So oh. I think so. Dude, we're doing that. What if? To... What have you been watching? Like over the course, what you know, you're rehabbing. Imagine you're not able to go out every night, right? Like, what what have been your go tos uh, to watch? Oh man, I would I would say P Valley. Okay. P Valley. Um, I would put in Atlanta. Okay. With a uh, Charles Gambino. Yep. Um, Genius. Snowfall, dude, so good. Then on Snowfall. and uh, a few Tyler Perry shows. Uh, What's one? The Oval, Sisters, okay. a few, you know, little shows that just keep my attention, you know, a little drama here and there, just to, you know, excite me, things like, I like that. It. But, I like it. I like it. Did you get out of the oh, movie? And I can't forget uh, Euphoria, too. I checked out Euphoria. Bro, bro, <laughs> this is the first moment where I realized how old I am because <laughs> I turned on Euphoria because all the young people in my life are like, dude, you got to watch Euphoria. I turn it on and I'm like, I'm like starting to feel being a father. I'm like, no, oh. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, what's crazy. It's like, I look at it. I'm like a lot of stuff. I ain't never been through or seen or just, you know, witness. So it's crazy when you actually see the lives of other kids and in other different cities, different places, things like that. And this is what they actually go through, especially in today's age. So, you know, you, you respect it, you understand, and you try to find ways to advocate for them and do whatever you can to help them in the best way. So I actually like the show. It was, it was awesome. I dig it. I, look, I'm going to keep going. I promise you I'm going to keep going. And these are <laughs> these are very attractive people on Euphoria. Yeah. They are just – they are out there, bro. Um, Thanks, man. Uh, having to, like, watch – are you the type that, like, y- you want to stay away, like, until you're ready? You don't want to be out there on the field. You don't want to, like – a lot of everybody's different, right? Like some guys just want to watch everything and help with coaching and be involved with guys. Other guys are like, dude, it hurts me. Like I just want to be out there. And so if I can't be out there, I kind of want to be away. What What's your mentality been like? Have you been able to be involved with the guys on a day-to-day basis while they've been out on the field? Or have you been like, nah, dude, I got to worry about me. Oh, for the most part, I've just been kind of focusing on getting myself back on the field because like you said being out there being around the guys coaching them and stuff you see different things and it's like man i wish i was out there to be around those guys you know but i understand the position i'm in and i understand that i have a job to do and that's to do whatever i can to get back healthy so i can get on the field and help these guys win so that's pretty much been my main focus this entire time 
that we've been in camp. And so far, it's been good. But at the same time, man, you're in meetings, you're looking at film, and I'm teaching these guys whatever's needed so that there's no letdown, there's no there's no drop-off, you know, whenever I come back or whenever the season starts. So right I'm doing what I can to just be a leader out here for these guys. You know, Tyus, I've asked this question for a few guys. I feel like nationally people have, like, completely forgotten what happened to you guys last season and that legitimately yeah. half of the roster was out and yet, y'all still before the last like stretch, y'all still were sitting there at eight and three. Like you were in great shape. Yes. Um, do you feel like the country is kind of sleeping on the Baltimore Ravens? And when you guys, when you're back out there, the running backs are all like we know JK's back already. Like that, when everybody's back out there, you guys are gonna go right back to being that Super Bowl team that we all knew you were on your way to being. Yeah, man. I feel like we have the veterans. We have the rookies. We have the role players, we have the coaches, we have the organization to, you know, get ourselves back to that position. And that's how we've always been, which is great to be a part of. And we understand the situation of last year with injuries. And, you know, that always plays a big part uh, within season and how you guys, um, how you guys perform during each week. But we understand that we're going to come out here, you know, and not prove anything to anybody because, we're just focused on us and focusing on, you know, being a better defense, being a better offense, special teams, organization overall, so that we can perform at our best and we just let the rest handle itself. But for the most part, if people are sleeping, let them keep sleeping, but we'll wake them up pretty soon. So. I dig it. I dig it. And I love the fact that despite the fact that you're not out there, you're still throwing the football around with everybody before the game. Like, that's that's yeah. that's never going away. That's the rest of your career, right? It's... Yeah, and you know it's crazy? That was probably one of the things I was looking forward to the most is just being able to engage with the fans again because I mean I left out the game and you know it's a long eight months of not being around you know fans and just being focused on myself so just be around the guys again be in the stadiums be around fans who support us uh whether that's you know here in Baltimore or in Arizona wherever we at it's just cool to be able to engage with them and you know, develop and create memories with them. So awesome, man. I enjoy it. It's awesome. All right. Tuesday, September 6th, we will be at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Baltimore. We're coming to you this season. We did that last year. We went all over the place. We're going to do it again this year. Uh, Tyus and special guests, basically every other Tuesday. There's a couple weeks where it'll move around a little bit, but basically every other Tuesday this season, and we can't wait for it. Um, dude, seriously, it's, I, I'm, I, I love this show so much, had so much fun hanging out with you guys every week. You're a, uh, you're a joy to, uh, do shows with. I, I'm also, I can't wait for you cause I know how much it'll mean when you get to step back out on the field as well. But in the meantime, looking forward to this dude, thank you for coming back and doing this for another year. And, and we will be thrilled for September 6th at Guilford Hall Brewery. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. It's Tyus Bowser, uh, of course, uh, looking forward to getting him back on the football field. And, um, you know, that's probably the priority, but we're selfishly excited about having him out again. And if you didn't get to come out to uh, any of the events that we did a year ago, Tyus is, and I'm not kidding when I say this, the single nicest human that we've ever had as part of a player show over the years. And I, we, I've done player shows, a lot of great guys, guys that, you know, that, change the way that I, I view the world um you know guys like brendan i and and jameel mcclain and 
Dennis Pitta, and I mean the list goes on. Bryant McCanning. There, I mean I've done so many Arthur Jones, done so many player shows over the years with various guys. But when we decided to bring it back last year, and we got hooked up with Tyus. I was blown away. Um, Tyus is too personable. In fact, like it becomes uncomfortable. I have to tell him, dude, st- you got to stop. You got to stop. We got to keep this this train moving in order to do the show. Um, but there is a remarkable man, a remarkable man. So I'm looking forward to another season of that. It'll get underway September 6th, Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. Look forward to seeing you there. Tonight, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, and BaltimoreBaseball.com's Rich Dubroff will be talking baseball, Facebook.com slash Sports. If you miss it live, you'll be able to see it tomorrow, YouTube.com slash online. Or pressboxonline.com slash video. When we come back in, Joel Corey, former NFL agent, now he's an analyst for CBSSports.com and CBS Sports in general. He's got an idea, a thought for how everyone can get what they need to get and get the deal done finally with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. He'll explain it to us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. Or is it Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 105.7 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, September 6th at 7 p.m. at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio. And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait, I don't think you're supposed to know about that one. Any hoodle, take it away, boys. Hey, we're talking some Ravens here this hour, and today at PressBoxOnline.com, I've got a column up that is sort of my Ravens preview column, if you will, for the season. Um, I offer three reasons for optimism, three reasons for pessimism as the Ravens get underway. By the way, I ended up I ended up at the game on Saturday night. Congratulations. Probably had a blast. The kids You're part of history. The kids had a blast. You're That's part, yeah, part of history. Part of history. The kids had a blast, which is the reason why we were there. Please no one ever tell them that that wasn't actually Justin Tucker. It was it was enough all day for them to keep asking me about Lamar. I did not have it in my heart to inform them that it wasn't Justin Tucker who was doing the kicking. I swear to God, my boy, they're like they're like Tucker's coming out. Yeah, yeah, buddy, he sure is, sure is, pal. Couldn't do it. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, gross. Like the only guy, I'm like, literally, the kids are watching the game. I've got my phone up with the Orioles game on. They're like, Dad, what about that? Mike? yeah, yeah, it seemed great. <laughs> you weren't admiring that red zone defense? We didn't stay. By the we, Baltimore we, we didn't make it to the end of the second quarter. We did not stay very long. We did not stay long. Saw a couple stops. Um, but the preseason is over. The Ravens will make decisions about their roster now over the next 24 hours. And that even is a bit complicated because. What you're likely to see is an initial roster that will include guys that are going to be moved to IR. And so it won't be until like later in the week, midweek, later in the week, that you really know who's on the roster. I think the big questions are guys like Tony Jefferson, um, veterans like Brent Urban and Stephen Means. Does did, did Josh Ross really do enough to win an inside linebacker spot um, as – you know, he was sort of battling, we think, with Christian Welch, who was a you know, popular um, special teams player. But Josh Ross had a great preseason, so is that enough for him to have nailed down a spot? Charlie Kolar will be on the initial roster, but then moved to uh, the IR. So we'll see how these next couple days go. And then the, the running back situation is kind of unclear. How many running backs will they keep, given the uncertainty of J.K. Dobbins' status to start the season? Of course, the big news that we missed out last week was that Ronnie Stanley passed his physical. When will we actually see him on the field? You know, it could be week one. But, you know, there was hope a year ago at this time, and 
uh, I don't I don't like I don't like thinking back on how that played out for the Ravens and Ronnie Stanley a year ago. So I'm I'm still being cautious about that. We'll get some more information in the coming days as the Ravens make the roster moves to get down to 53. The other thing that looms over the Ravens as the season gets underway is, of course, the contract status for one Lamar Jackson. And last week, Fox's Jay Glazer reported that the Deshaun Watson deal was complicating things in a way that, frankly, makes sense. So our next guest went to CBSSports.com and laid out a scenario by which everyone could kind of win on a deal like this. Lamar Jackson could get the deal he should get, while the Ravens could avoid giving out another fully guaranteed deal and pissing off the rest of the NFL in the process. Joining us to explain that, he is a former NFL agent and now, of course, an analyst for CBS. He is our friend Joel Corey, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Joel, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's good to catch up. Thank you, as always, for taking the time for us. Thanks for having me. Um, I imagine the first thought is you probably wouldn't mind being Lamar Jackson's agent at this point in your life, would you? Yeah, it also mean I'd be the uh, NFL MVP a couple of years ago since he's his own agent. It's a fact. But yeah, That's if he didn't have a traditional agent, I wouldn't mind being Lamar Jackson's agent. Um, the scenario that you lay out is really interesting to me because I, I remember, and I want to say you and I had this conversation after Deshaun Watson where I said, hey, I get where people are saying, hey, this is going to be anomaly, but why would any quarterback not immediately walk in and say, okay, this is the market now? I, I didn't understand it in the aftermath of the Mahomes deal when people were like, well, that's just the deal that Patrick Mahomes can get. I was like, well, what makes you think it works that way? Why wouldn't any quarterback say, that's the market now, you can be as mad about it as you want, that's what you have to pay me moving forward, and and I know that Kyler Murray didn't get that deal, but I still don't understand why why Lamar or anybody else wouldn't try to get it. Oh yeah, that's the move. Your first move is, I don't care what Kyler Murray got, I'm pointing to the guy who's in the same division, uh, Deshaun Watson, he got the fully guaranteed contract. I've won an MVP. There are no off-the-field issues with me. Then you've got to pay me slightly more on uh, a fully guaranteed contract. Now, um, you start looking at your alternatives if you can't get what you want. Now, Lamar Jackson seemingly isn't afraid of playing the franchise tag game like uh, Kirk Cousins. Personally, I think that's where this thing heads. You're not going to get a deal done because the Ravens don't want to give fully guaranteed contract. He's going to be adamant about it. So he plays it out, goes there, but you start looking at your alternatives. And then I started thinking, if I couldn't get a fully guaranteed contract and I was willing to give on that, what would I have to get if I represented Lamar Jackson to give up the fully guaranteed contract? The first premise being, if I don't want to, if I'm not getting a fully guaranteed contract, that is a monumental concession because it basically stops the momentum of anybody else getting one. Mm -hmm. So you have to give me every other concede every, every other point in the deal if you don't want to do fully guaranteed contract that much. So I, let, me, let me cover two things. Should the Ravens be this hell-bent to not give a fully guaranteed? We, we get it. We, we understand that everybody else in the league is pissed off at the Browns because of what they did. But are we going to look two years down the road and see that the quarterback desperate teams are going to say, look, if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. I mean, Seattle is going into a season where they literally don't have a quarterback. They're just going to line up and, and try without one and see what happens. 
are, are we going to see the quarterback desperate team saying, look, man, we can pretend like we're mad about it all we want, but this is still the quarterback position that we're talking about. And if that's the case, you know, should the Ravens say, hey, it's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, we got to do what we got to do too. Well, I think uh, if the Ravens hold the line, it's going to be history repeating itself. Cousins got the fully guaranteed contract. The next two big deals weren't which were Matt Ryan, first $30 million per year player in the league, then Aaron Rodgers, who topped him, neither got a fully guaranteed contract, done. The one guy you got to watch for is Russell Wilson. If he pushes for it, he should get it. That owner has the deepest pockets of anybody in the ownership of Rob Walton of the Walmart family, has a, I think an estimated net worth of $60 billion. Yeah. So the problems escrow um put money in escrow is not a problem for him plus all the draft pick compensation they gave up for russell wilson he's got a ton of leverage to get it i don't think either of the two uh 2020 draft picks that are eligible for a new contract after the season justin herbert or joe burrow get one uh, cincinnati doesn't even do base salary guarantees and contracts so getting them to that point is going to be a monumental sure uh, task, let alone going fully guaranteed contract. And they're one of the, uh, in terms of cash poor teams in NFL, they're basically at the bottom. So there's no way they can stick all that money in escrow for a fully guaranteed contract. Joel Corey is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to link up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter the uh, the story that he wrote detailing this this contract that would make sense. L- let me go to the other side, Joel, which is an argument that I hear regularly is that the guaranteed part really shouldn't matter all that much to the to the quarterbacks because the likelihood of them ever not getting their money is so slim, right? It's the quarterbacks that the teams go back to to give more money to in order for them to help them out with the cap down the road. How many times have we ever seen a quarterback like this get cut or not get their money down the road? Should it matter so much to the quarterbacks the idea of a fully guaranteed contract? Well, Quarterback has to first establish that there are fully guaranteed contracts for it to ever get to other positions because you're not going to go, okay, let's give our great pass rusher a fully guaranteed contract and not our quarterback. Mm. So if quarterback positions can't extend it beyond one or two guys, it never goes to anybody else. And this is not a collectively bargained for issue. In other sports, fully guaranteed contracts came from individual players exerting leverage. It's not something that the NFLPA could ever get through negotiating with the NFL. So it's up to individual players to get fully guaranteed contracts and then extend it out, and that starts the quarterback position. So if that's something that's important to Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, then they're going to push for it even though you are right that for the most part, quarterbacks will get their money. It's interesting what you're saying is that they're really kind of doing it on behalf of the rest of the players. That, look, we're going to fight. Those, what you're saying is these other guys, they are at risk sometimes of getting cut and losing out on their money. So the quarterbacks have to, or the quarterbacks have to fight this fight for the players at other positions that might be at risk in order to try to get more and more guarantees and sort of effectively change the culture of contracts without it being collectively bargained. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. The only thing which could change it from a collective bargaining standpoint and the CBA runs through the uh, entire decade is you take the funding rule out. That's something that I think next CBA, NFLPA might really push for because it's been in there forever 
and it was put in put the funding rules put in when you had owners which uh, potentially weren't going to be able to make payroll. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. These guys, that's not an issue anymore. So you really don't need the funding rules archaic, but teams use it whenever they want to to prevent guaranteeing more money in a contract, and they're using it to prevent fully guaranteed contracts. That's really the only collectively bargained for issue which could change the tide, but that's not going to be until the decade of 2030s. So, Joe, I'm going to be the dumb guy. The, the scenario that you lay out, right, where the, the Ravens say, hey, we're not going to go fully guaranteed. We're going to go a lot of guarantee, but we're not going to go fully guarantee. We're going to do this four-year deal, and it's going to pay you $50.5 million. Why would either party not want to go ahead and get something like this done? Well, if Lamar's hell-bent on the fully guaranteed contract, and that's all he can see, then this wouldn't be appealing to him. Um, it should appeal to both sides from the standpoint that if he plays out his contract, he's going to get a franchise tag put on him. And the franchise tag that the quarterbacks typically get, and there have been five quarterbacks in the last ten off five times, quarterbacks have been franchised in the last ten off seasons. Four out of the five times it was, it was the exclusive franchise tag. That will be the average of the top five cap numbers minus a couple of adjustments at the end of the restricted free agent period next April. That number right now projects to forty-five point two four eight million. It's subject to change with new contracts restructures, people being released, using that number as a guide, two franchise tags basically gets you to $100 million. So that's an average of about right at 50 going year to year, plus you're giving up a couple extra years. So the average is about right. It would make it 50.5, be the highest paid player in the league ahead of Aaron Rodgers, who's at 50.271. So that's where the 50.25 came, uh, came from. From a league standpoint, most of these extensions prior to Patrick Mahomes had been four years. His was 10 when he had two years left, and now Kyler Murray's five. So if I'm going non-guaranteed contract, then I want the four-year extension that those guys got previously, and then Deshaun Watson's original deal, four-year extension, Dak Prescott, four-year deal coming off a franchise tag. Okay. I mean, that's it all seems to make sense to me, man. <laughs> like, let's let's do it. Let's get it done. What are we, I, but I get your point about it might just be that singularly Lamar Jackson saying, look, it's fully guaranteed or or it ain't happening. Like I am I am hell bent on this one thing, and that's what it's got to be, or else we're not getting the deal done. And if that's the case, then you know it it feels like kind of a wild game of Russian roulette that you end up playing with the Ravens over the next couple of years, and the Ravens sit back and and wait, and then maybe, like, if that's the scenario, are the Ravens now waiting to see if, like, the next two quarterback deals are also fully guaranteed, and if they do, then maybe they acquiesce, or I, I, don't, I don't know what happens if that really is the game that Lamar Jackson is playing right now. Yeah, Russell Wilson's the key. That's the one. If he doesn't get one, it's a dead issue. Then I don't see there's any, the only way Lamar gets one is if he played out the two franchise tags, continued to play at a reasonably high level, hit the open market in 2025. Cousins, above average quarterback. Nobody's thinking Kirk Cousins is an elite quarterback. Got a fully guaranteed contract. Lamar, 2025, hit the open market. He'd get one, but that's a ways off. Russell Wilson, I think, will be the key if Lamar, if, the, if his deadline passes the first regular season game, he's playing out his rookie contract. I think... Russell Wilson is the key to where this thing goes. 
right, and then I'm going to ask the crazy one, and I know this is more the team side of things than the agent side of things. If this really is the case, like if Lamar really is hell-bent on fully guaranteed and the Ravens are hell-bent on not doing that, at, at some point do you think they have to think about a trade? Do they have to think about, hey, what can we get for this because we're not going to end up signing him? Or, you know, is it still, hey, let's just let this thing play out? Yeah, at some point you have to start exploring your options because if he goes to franchise tags, the most your compensation is going to be in 2026 would be a third-round compensatory pick. And we saw this year that Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson went for three first-round picks plus. So if your signability becomes a significant issue, and this is more of an NBA type of thing, the right. NFL thing, that you move a guy and get what you can before it's too late, then you're hitting the reset button and you've got a boatload of picks where you could uh, try to start over. Boy, it's an interesting scenario that they're in. Like, I I still, I, there's just, Joe, I keep wanting to believe, hey, this is just going to get done. Like, at some point I'm going to wake up and it's just going to, and in fact, a month ago I was to understand there was a little bit of momentum and now here we are just days away from the start of the season and as you pointed out, this deadline and I simply do not know. I simply do not know how this ends up playing out. Um, CBSSports.com, of course, is where you always see Joel Corey stuff, at Corey Joel on Twitter. Joel, is there anything else I can plug for you, sir? Uh, yeah, got my um, podcast, Inside the Cap. Uh, got a new episode up uh, last night on roster cutdown, logistics, and the Jimmy uh, Garoppolo situation. Awesome. Joel Corey, always appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks for having me. Joel Corey, um, the former NFL agent, of course, now with CBS. and He really details. I mean, if you've read his piece, he details exactly why a deal like this makes sense for all parties involved. Lamar gets the richest deal a quarterback's ever gotten. Gets paid more than Aaron Rodgers, but the Ravens get to fight and push back specifically about the fully guaranteed thing. And that really does become the question. Is that the ultimate hang-up here? Is it the poison pill in all of this? Is Lamar Jackson saying, I get fully guaranteed or I'm doing nothing? And are the Ravens saying, we're not doing that. We love you. We want you here. But we are not pissing off the rest of the league in the process. And it's a, in trying to figure out why we're still in this position, why something hasn't gotten done, it becomes kind of the most likely scenario. Everything about Lamar Jackson says he wants to be here. God, the man's got a tattoo of purple wings on his chest. Everything about him says he wants to be here. The Ravens have continued to build a structure that is based solely on Lamar Jackson. But does this come down to Lamar saying, but it's got to be fully guaranteed. Deshaun Watson got it. I've got to get it too. And the Ravens saying, we'll, it's, it's me. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh, no, I won't do that. I will do it. Come pull up Jeremy so you can sing along with me. 
Pull up, Jeremy. I will do anything, anything for, love. for love. Anything but. you've been dreaming of, but I just won't drink that garbage liquor that you want me to consume. Hi, good morning, pal. How you doing? Uh, ironically enough, that garbage liquor helps cure hip injuries. So, oh God, uh, dude! If you want to try more Malort? I swear to God, um, it could help. I swear to God, it definitely wouldn't have been as painful that day. That's a, by the way, a hell of a thing you pulled to try to get out of coming to the party this year. That you're like, I'm gonna go lick a bunch of doorknobs and see if I can't get well, COVID. Glenn, you must be out of your mind if you think there was anything I'd rather do on a Saturday I, I, afternoon than your meat in my mouth. I, I, You've got to, you know, you got to. I, I know that's, that's true. I know. Top that's of true. my list. Oh. I like your pork. So what was uh what was it like for you? I mean you 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 seem to be sidelined, man. Like we you know, last Monday I figured, ah, oh, Jeremy, he's got COVID, he can call in. You seem to be struggling with well, it. Well, my problem was and I also there was a podcast that I was supposed to go on that week too, but my problem was I coughed so much that I lost my voice. So it was like I sounded bad. Like I was yeah, fine. Yeah. The first the first night was awful though. Like um I mean I don't I don't get the flu a lot and I'm you know, knock on wood, I'm not trying to get it or anything, but um, those body aches that people get all the time when they get sick, that's what I had. And, and I could not, like, I was burning up and freezing at the same time. It's, like, really hard to explain to people. But it was, that first night was awful. I was sweaty and sticking to my sheets, and I'd take the sheet off, and I was freezing. And then, you know, it was just, it, it was miserable. And then being alone in a room by myself, I mean, I found ways to keep myself occupied. But, um, but yeah, it was pretty... Uh, just boring for the most part. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know. Did you? Would you get to watch? Did you stream anything? Like, what'd you do to pass the time? Um, so I watched all the sports documentaries on Netflix, like the Manti Teo. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. The, the, okay. I, I love the Bruce Jenner one. Um, I haven't watched. But that my yet. favorite one was Marty Fish. Like, I the Marty Fish one, and I'm you know Jeremy's not even the tennis person that I am. Although Jeremy, you play tennis. I mean, you like tennis. Yeah. I was a big tennis fan in the night. I don't watch it as much anymore, except for like some of the championship match. I still follow along. Um, it's just not, it's not appointment setting the way it was for me in the nineties when I'd want to watch, you know, Michael Chang or Agassi or whoever play, um, that I was into at that point in time. The, the Marty fish one, if you've ever dealt with anxiety is so unbelievably compelling. I mean, it's just incredibly compelling for anyone that's ever dealt with anxiety, just the way that your heart, you don't know how to explain what's happening within you. Um, mm -hmm. it is, it is unbelievable. Let me go back to the Manti Teo one, right? Because uh -huh. the national narrative, of course, and understandably has flipped and like, oh my God, we really screwed up. We, we were terrible to Manti Teo when, you know, he was truly the victim of something. Can, can I, can I offer a hot take? Yes. Do you still struggle at all with the idea of someone perpetuating being in a relationship with someone for over a year that had literally never seen the person do you still it's weird do, I, I, I know that people can tell me hey online relationships are real now and they exist and it's a real but like he the part where he said he literally couldn't see her on they, they would try to facetime and um naya would do oh you know the camera's not working sorry or whatever like I still have to say I struggle a little bit with all of this. I'm not look this this you know and now woman was clearly evil uh -huh. and what they did is just wretched and unthinkable and the whole deal. But I am still struggling with the other side of it and the fact that he lied to everybody and said that he had met her and said like I, I'm not saying that yeah. he's a bad guy. 
I just feel like we are being awfully quick to dismiss the other side of it, which was he was very much going along with this story. Well, his own dad said that like he was still pissed off at him for falling for something like that. It's like, how could you go for a year with, you know, without seeing some, like we understand like when he starts telling the stories about what happened and this and that, like, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, th- th- when they sent the picture holding the sign and his, you know, right. his hand signal, you know, like the, whatever, like right. uh, the, the hang whatever ten or whatever it is. Was. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what it was. It was a hang ten sign. And then, then it's like, Holy hell. Like, they pulled that off, then okay, I guess I would believe it then. Right. But but that was but that problem, was over a year into the relationship at that point. Yes. That absolutely. was one of the last and, things that happened within this like catfishing thing. I and I'm the other thing is like I'm watching this and I don't think people because because I think when she was telling the story about how this all happened, like she presents herself as someone who was like trapped and like wanted to do like, you know, as things were going on, you start to feel a little empathy for her because yes. her world's cr- crumbling around her. But but the fact of the matter is, like, she faked the death of a fake person and then brought them back to life because she she wanted to get back into it it's again. Unbelievable. Like, to me, it's, that's the craziest thing. It's and by the way, with all these with all the documentaries I've watched, the best thing that I've watched is the John McAfee uh, documentary. The, I haven't the, the watched it yet. Oh, I need, to, I need to watch that. Oh, I have to watch it. Most he, interesting human being outside of Dennis Rodman I've ever seen in my so, life. So he's like, alive, huh? Like, he's he faked his own well, death. We don't we don't know that. So he, ah. there's like, I think he set this up for that, but it, nothing would surprise me, though. Like, my. you think, I, the only reason I don't believe he faked his own death is because everywhere he went, even though he was on the land and people were looking for him, he would tell everybody who he was. I'm John McAfee. Don't tell anyone I'm here. Mm. By the way, I'm John McAfee. Mm. I'm, you know, like over and over again. But the stuff that happens in there, you're going, is this really happening? Is this real life? Like, it can't be. All right. So, All right. I'm, yeah. I, that is on my list for this week. I will get to it this week, and we can have more of a conversation about it next week. I promise okay. that'll be the case. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's a very important question to me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what an engineer does? What an engine pushes buttons, sets up shows. That, okay, not a radio engineer. An engineer. Oh. If if someone, oh, I, I was thinking you, radio. Yeah, you 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 go out right, and you meet somebody, and they say, "Hey, you say, hey, what do you do for a living?" And they say, "I'm an engineer." Do you know what they do? Oh, that's a. I mean, I would think that they were. Um, involved with building or putting together things <laughs> maybe maybe the math maybe is there some math in there i think I, so i don't know i bring this up because it's been something that i've gone back to it's a trope that i've gone back to for a decade that big engineering is some sort of scam in this country all right i am convinced mm-hmm. of one thing everyone who has ever taken in a high school career aptitude test has gotten the same result you're supposed to be an engineer. I swear to God, every single one of you that signs up for a high school career aptitude test, they're like, you, you answer these questions. It does not matter how you answer them. This is a scam run by big engineering to say you're supposed to become an engineer. And yet here we all are, adults, and we all know somebody in our life whose, whose job is an engineer, and we have no effing clue what they do. And I'm convinced that's because they don't want us to know. I'm so like trying to figure out what Chandler does for a living. It's kind of like that. that. It's kind of like yeah. that, Jeremy. I am convinced that there is something unsavory about big engineering. 
that they're doing something they don't want us to know about. And I'm telling you this because today is, of course, the first day of school and everybody's putting their adorable pictures of their kids up. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that you don't still ask your kids now that are they're grown men to, to do this just for the sake of the fun of it. Um, I, I look at my son's little thing, my seven-year-old son, and it says, what do I want to be when I grow up? An engineer. He, there's no way! There's no way he knows what an engineer does. I'm 40 and I don't know what an engineer does. What the I hell bet is those going? Those kids and there's no way that they're going to become engineers. They're definitely going to just yeah. They, they're, what they're going to do is be heathens for the rest of their That's lives. That's 100 percent accurate. That, well, I I By think the way, th- there's some hope of them getting into the world of professional wrestling. I think that's about <laughs> what I have. It's either they become professional wrestlers or undoubtedly they end up in the mob. Like that's where they're we're the headed. next Kane and Undertaker is what's going to happen. Oh, or they could be the Bushwhackers. That would more likely, more far more likely yeah. to be the Bushwhackers. But, but you know, I was thinking mine also like on my app it did say engineering, but it said engineering carnival rides. So <laughs> right. I think. That just means an operator. Like I, it I was, push a button. It was really odd when tickets. when everybody was saying, "Hey, what'd you get on your aptitude test?" And your friends were like, "Well, I'm supposed to be a teacher. I'm supposed to be an engineer." And Jeremy's like, "Why does mine specifically say Joe Dirt?" Like, <laughs> why? That is that is awfully direct. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's, that's, makes no sense. My parents left me. I am um, so confused by what, by, by how it is. I, you know what I'm convinced of, Jerry? I believe that my son probably thinks an engineer is the guy that drives the train. That's what I, I think he's confusing engineer and conductor, and that's why he said engineer. Uh, that's my my best guess because otherwise it makes no effing sense. Did I ever tell you the, the, the story? Like, it's like one of the cutest stories with my, my older son, Peyton, when he was in fifth grade, uh, fifth, fourth grade, maybe. It's fourth or fifth grade. doesn't matter. Um, but they did, a, uh, they did a, a thing in class where it said, we want you to tell us who your hero is now. Like, <laughs> I mean, come on, let's be serious. Yes, I mean. My oldest son, of course, dad's his hero. Like, I'm looking on the wall for, for my name, and I see little Susie wrote her dad's her hero. Right. Um, and somebody else, my mom. And, I, I, re- and, like, I people, really hope it was Scott Garceau. I really no, hope. It, it wasn't. It was Abraham Lincoln because he freed the slave. Ah. And my son painted all these little brown people on a piece of paper with a white guy saying, you guys are free. Do whatever you want. Like, that's what it was on. Jeremy, it's like a cartoon. I'm looking on the wall, and I can't even be mad. Because I it's know. Like, it's a good one. I was extremely happy that he wrote that, but I'm like, I don't know if you should be coloring these people in. But yeah, just, I mean, you know. right. I'm not sure what the rules are for all of that anymore. I have no idea what the rules are. But I got to be honest with you. Abraham Lincoln's slightly better than you, bro. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a little bit taller, let's be honest. He does have that but going for him. I don't know how honest he was. He does have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honest <laughs> Abe. I'm so sure. I'm so sure. This guy throws me 20 bucks. He's a liar. Right. So. The hell. <laughs> the hell is all that about? Um, all right. So I guess uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, some sports-related things. Uh, one, I, I'm in a weird place, Jeremy, because... I know that the Orioles winning two out of three in Houston is amazing. It's it's monumental. It's all of those things. And yet, them scoring six runs in three games is the thing that seems to stand out more for me and it leaves me continued f- just uneasiness about whether or not they can really get over the hump and you know do this considering what they're up against the rest of the season can they're prolonged now offensive struggles so where do you all right i'm going to pose like kind of the question or what you led me into here with another question like where are you if they had their let's say they mapped out what their plans were right they're way ahead of schedule with the wins and they weren't let's say they weren't going to call gunner up by the end of the year that they want him to play in the minor leagues for and get 
more seasoning, as they say. And, you know, we did hear that, that uh, Grayson was going to get called up, and you know, but then he got hurt. And now Tyler Wells will be coming back, and D.L. Hall gets sent back down. Like, if they set up their plan for exactly what they want to do, uh, is there something, like, are, are you one that wants them to change up everything because they're close yeah, now, or do you still stand by whatever they do you're good with? It's a really good question, dude. That's such a good question because I have struggled with it. And, I mean, we, you and I had conversations about this at the trade deadline where I, I was okay with what they did. I couldn't pretend like I thought it was exciting or correct or any of those words but I could accept it within the context of, hey, we need to keep a big picture here. And I thought that, frankly, they did better in a Trey Mancini return than I thought they were going to be able to do by by willing by being willing to take on somebody that had, had Tommy John surgery. I just I thought they got more than I thought they could get for Trey Mancini, so I could stomach that. Um, this is interesting, right? Like I I do think that I get uneasy if the answer on Gunnar Henderson is we don't think he's ready. Well then, no, don't bring him up. Like that's that's I'm fine with that. What I worry about yeah, is the numbers say different there, right? Like he, right. it feels like he is ready. It definitely depending feels on how like, many at bats you want him to get. That that's the part that I'm not. I will never be okay with the hey, but we still have to think about service time thing because that's a bigger concern to me. We see what happened with Julio Rodriguez, right? We why are the Orioles still the team that's unwilling to say hey, if a player's that good? we're going to go ahead and get it taken care of before they can reach free agency. See, I've been screaming about this for years because you can go back to Evan Longoria with, with yep. the Rays. You can go back to Carlos Santana with the, the then Indians. Um, and the Cleveland did this with a couple of their players. Didn't Grady Sizemore get a, oh, like wow. a, a decent yeah. deal initially? I mean, they're, they're all like, I love this business model that the Braves have now constituted. And it's not all the guys getting like team-friendly deals. It did happen with Acuna. It's happening with Michael Harris. It's happening, or it happened with Ozzie Albies. But the rest of the guys on the team, like, realistically, they've got these young pitchers that they're going to have to pay. Uh, they paid up for a first baseman, albeit it wasn't Freddie Freeman. Like, I like that business model when you recognize, like, when we watched Manny Machado play, didn't we think he was going to be Rock one star. of the 10 to 15 best players in the league? Yes, like, immediately. It, we, we felt like that. So, and barring a catastrophic injury, which can happen at any point in time, even after you sign them to a long-term guaranteed deal in baseball, why wouldn't you then try to lock these guys up for a little less on the back end, but you're paying a little bit more now. And, and I feel like, you know, Adley's a guy they can look at and go, okay, real deal. We know this now. We, we know what he brings to the table and he's only going to get better. That that could be a guy that they eventually lock up. I'm not saying you got to do it this year, but I'm saying I hope they start to do some of that stuff um, because I just think it's a great business model. I mean, it, it the times that it doesn't work out, it shouldn't hurt you as much as going out in free agency and spending three hundred million on a player or something ridiculous like that. I, I, this is the part that I can't, I, I can't help but wonder why the Orioles are reluctant to do it. And it, we can have a conversation about Adley Rutschman and the fact that being a catcher is unique. But my God, what do we not see? We just talking about this yeah. la- an hour ago with um, Mike Exisa from CBS Sports. We're like, what? What do you what do you need to know? What what are you still looking at and saying, well, maybe we can't do this. This is the model. It's there's nothing in baseball that benefits the team more than this arbitration structure that makes it easier to negotiate with players that can't get this type of money for some time down the road. It does behoove you. And I, to your point, are you going to get the Ronald Acuna type of deal? No, probably not. Like that's still insane. The Braves pulled off one of the great heists in the history of baseball doing that. But there's still 
the, the Mariners are showing you if it costs you big money, it's worth doing because it's the value of the player that you're getting at this point. So that's the only part that I struggle with. I'm not I, I don't I'm I'm not trying to scream about it yet, but if the thought with Gunnar Henderson is still but we want to protect service time, that is so much more damning for the organization because what they're really saying is because we're not going to sign him. And that's yeah. That's unforgivable at this point. Like that really does become you're the Miami Marlins. Like you are if you're not going to sign your own guys, then you're setting yourself up to be an organization that never really has a window that just kind of exists for the sake of existing. The concept of the rebuild was let's do the Astros thing. Well, what did the Astros do? They they signed their players. They said, let's yeah. get the talent, and then let's keep that talent here and have an extended window. I, I am dude, I'm really struggling with this one, dude. It's funny. You brought up the Marlins. Do you remember what their outfit was before they started selling and, and like moving it's everybody? It was Stanton and... Um, Ozuna oh and Yellow. yes. And correct. they had JT Real Muto behind the plate. Like, Jesus. <laughs> Like, that's a team right there where you're like, those are four stars we could build around. And instead, they had to blow it up and rebuild. Now, I don't think the Orioles are ever in that. Well, they're not in that place and shouldn't be in there for a long time. Uh, hopefully never again. But but the fact is, like you, the business model shows you where you want to be. Like Everybody was bitching about the business model that the Orioles had set in place. Like, this is BS. They should spend money in the offseason. Now you're seeing all these um, prospects that are coming to the majors, and we're seeing which ones are for real, which ones aren't starting pitchers that fail going, okay, well, maybe he's a bullpen guy. Some of the tweaking that's gone on where they found guys off the waiver wire, like both who's pitching unbelievable. Batista. I mean, all these guys, like, you know, you, you look at them going, I don't, how the hell did this work out in such a short period of time? What they're doing with the financial numbers of what they're paying out, this should never happen over 162 games. No doubt where a team with the lowest payroll in baseball has a chance to get in the playoffs. Well, and that's it, just what, it, it, it makes you excited about other things happening within the organization. It makes you excited about Chris Holt, right? Like in what he, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on board with that. By the way, Jeremy Kahn is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. And, of course, Jeremy's picks are available every day at PressBoxOnline.com, which is relevant because you can take those picks and you can go to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, and then you can make those bets and win money. And that's important because I have to do two live uh, reads during the course of the day, and I had forgotten to do one yet, Jeremy, so I apologize. Oh, I need yeah, to I'll tell I need, you how much I love FanDuel. So need, I'm, I'm a FanDuel guy through and through. I needed to sneak that in there. Um, oh, we, we haven't even talked about that. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but yes, I, I am. I, everything, everything here is weird, dude. I, I, let me, let me, let me spin one more to you. Yeah. Are you starting to wonder at all about the long-term plans related to Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle specifically? Because I'm, I, I'm having we, these weird macro versus micro conversations, right? Where like the micro is, this is amazing. Holy crap. This is so much fun. I can't believe they're doing this. And then the macro is, right, but are these guys really good enough to be a part of this thing long term? Are these guys really the players that should be here to try to win a championship? Or do you need to try to upgrade those positions specifically like as soon as this offseason? It's so funny that you bring that up because I had the, the argument over like when Carlos Correa said he was going to opt out or the rumors were going to opt out, I said, I think the Orioles are going to sign him in the offseason, to which everybody replied, why? We have Jorge Mateo and we have young prospects in the minor leagues that could play shortstop. Ultimately, I don't think those guys are going to play shortstop. But if you can get a power-hitting plus defensive guy 
at that position who, oh, by the way, that was the first draft pick that Michael Elias really made and, and kind of set the tone with that with the Astros. Like, I think he's coming here. And, and everybody to a T was like, we have Jorge Mateo. We don't need him. And I would, it, my response to most of us, I think Mateo's having an incredible year. He's still a guy that's hitting, you know, uh, what's he hitting now? 225, 230. Has it come up? Yeah, a little bit. I, I don't but, know what the but not sing, Hang yeah. on. I, I had it in front of me in one second. Uh, 230, but, 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 230 with a 277 on base. Yeah, so it's gotten better uh, from when, when this started, or uh, when, when I posted this. And everybody came after me. He's like, oh, you can't get rid of Mateo. And I'm like, why? Like, you guys did this when we had Hanser Alberto. You did this when we had Iglesias. You, you know, every single person we have is like, why can't we keep this guy? Because you're trying to get better. And then the thing you have to look at, too, is in the offseason, which direction do you go in? It doesn't mean Mateo couldn't slide over to second or whatever. And I'm not saying that this is a foregone conclusion that happens. But you ultimately have to take a long look in the mirror and say, where can we make this team better? And, of course, everybody's going to go starting pitching. You need to find eight. Well, it's not the greatest year outside of Carlos Rodon hitting the, um, the market, but let's be honest about him as well because he's a guy that came off of Tommy John, had a really good year. They were worried about him kind of petering out at the end of the season last year, and then he looks pretty good with the Giants again. So maybe there is something to say that could be a guy that you make a run after, but you know there is that chance that, he reverts back to the way he looked before the uh, Tommy John. And there's names like Clayton Kershaw that could be available. There's not a lot of like great names that are going to be out there. Aaron Judge's name should be out there. Is that somebody you want to go get um, and pay top dollar to? So, I mean, there's, there, and he's an older player. That's what, so there's a debate over all of that where you can improve. And I think the Austin Hayes thing is really interesting because we were talking about him midway through the season, maybe he being was Nick Markakis. Yeah, like he was untouchable. And then all of a sudden you saw his numbers. Uh, what was it, end of June, but mainly July and August, his numbers have been really bad. And Amal Kessler had that stretch with no home runs before he finally, you know, he had that great moment with the, the home run chain where it's like, what's this? Uh, after he finally puts it back on. But I think there's a place for both of them here. But there are, I mean, there, there are places where you can get better on this team. And it sucks to say it. But that's ultimately the decisions they're going to have to make. Uh, and that's it's a, it's a difficult thing, man. It's a difficult thing because I, when I say I, – I, I, I phrase it this way. Like, I do think a little bit of what's happened this season is smoke and mirrors. I don't think the rebuild is smoke and mirrors. I don't think the trajectory this franchise is on is smoke and mirrors. But I do think yeah. a little bit of what has specifically occurred this year is smoke and mirrors, and there is some risk of buying too much into it moving forward and saying, well, we're this close. I, I think that there is a good foundation here, but I still think the majority of a, you know, a potential World Series winning roster ain't in Baltimore currently. I, I still yeah. think we're talking about a few guys that are on this roster currently that would be part of a potential World Series winner in the coming years. It's a it's difficult, difficult conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the easy thing to look at real quick, Glenn, is you can look at third and second and say those are two spots that you need to upgrade. But yep. you can also look at third and second and say, I feel like we have prospects coming Correct. up that can play those Correct. positions and play them really well. Correct. So, and, that's, and that's the thing. I don't think the I think the my my the team versus the franchise to me are two different conversations. Right. I think the team is a good team that is outperformed and it's a little bit fluky and I can't rely on the ways that it's happened moving forward. But the franchise and the excitement I have on the whole for what this thing will look like in the coming years, that is, is not, I, I can't shake on that. Like, I think they have a great core, but they need to add a few pieces around in order to try to find something that resembles a uh, World Series winner. 
Um, Absolutely. You uh, you really won fifty thousand dollars last weekend. Yeah, I did on Saturday. Um, I it was it was odd too because so like with COVID, I was getting up like one more. I told the story this morning. There were two separate days where I got up, got in the shower. I felt better after I got out of the shower. Or some days I would even take a bath, just sit there and relax. And um, you know, so then I would get out and late. I obviously couldn't go anywhere, so I'm in my room. And I would sit back down going, okay, what am I going to watch? And then immediately, like, I'm talking 30 minutes later, fall back asleep for three hours. So on Saturday morning, I got up. I set my lineup. I love the Cubs-Brewers game the same way I did on Friday the day before. And that was a, an absolute, like, I mean, they just scored. I, I think they scored, like, 20-some runs between the two teams uh, on Friday. So on Saturday, I came back to it, and people didn't play the Cubs and Brewers on an early slate because there was a little bit of rain. But from what I read, the rain was not going to affect they, they should get the game in. So I wake up out of this stupor, whatever you want to call it, where I was just like kind of out of it. And I look at my phone. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm winning. I was winning like uh 2,500 or three grand or something. I'm like, Oh, this is a great, you know, great morning. Like I'm happy. And then I look at the guy in first, I'm going, but damn, he's only 10 points ahead of me. Right. <laughs> um, and then I go, cause I have like six or seven guys in that Brewers game and I'm going, well, let me go look. So I, the game was on, I turn it on. It goes to extra innings. And then I'm just nickel and diamond my way. Like, oh, I get a walk here. That guy scores a run. There's two more points. There's two. And before I know it, I was in first place by like seven or eight points. And there was nobody that could catch me because nobody had my players. So I was really fortunate the way it went. And then I looked down, I won 50 grand. And it was, I mean, it was really cool. I mean, yeah, so, it's really cool. <laughs> That's the understatement nice thing, yeah. of the year. Like, yeah, it was a, it was a neat little Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had one yesterday, Glenn, that I, like I didn't expect because uh, so last year in the FedEx Open, I I won twenty five grand on Fanduel when it was here in, in um oh in, yeah the uh, BMW right yeah at the uh, yeah. yep so or the FedEx Cup whatever the hell it was called yeah. but I so I won twenty five grand I took it was the best lineup I ever had in my life because the guy that was in second place was like ninety points behind me. like there was no doubt Jesus the entire day that I won it. So this weekend, you know, you talk about winning 50, that's great. Well, I had a golf lineup that had Rory and M in it, mm. and, like, nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden, I'm at a fantasy draft yesterday, and some guy goes, my buddy said we got to turn on uh, the golf. I said, did you see what's going on? I looked down. I was like, holy hell. I, I, if, if there had been another day, I'd have probably had a shot at 100 grand. But I ended up winning, like, three grand yesterday on the golf when I thought my lineups were dead uh, because of M and McElroy. But it was it was a lot of fun. It was a sweat that I didn't realize I had. Um, with all this money, I guess you don't need to bother suing South Carolina for stealing your nickname for their mascots. No. Which, which one did you like the best? Wh which one did I like the Imagine putting Cock Commander out there and thinking that the answer should be anything other than that. Come on. Well, I, I, I thought there were some other good ones. Like, I think Ed what? and... What was the Pollo one? Uh, Mar Marco Pollo, yeah. I didn't, I, didn't Marco Pollo. Trust me, I didn't hate any of them. I Cluck Norris, I believe, was one of them. Cluck um, Norris was Ed's favorite. I didn't hate any of them, but cr you can't put Cock Commander out there and think that the answer is going to be anything other than that. I mean, I think it's a great name. Yes. Uh, yes. I it's wish... Well, I was going to say I wish that was my nickname, but that could mean so many things. Yeah, so I don't that's, wish. That's it. a good. That's a good point. By the <laughs> way, are you are you guys allowed to say "cock commander" in one hundred five seven the fan? <laughs> I think so. I had some guy call me out for a meme that I posted on Facebook, and that I'm a potty mouth and I'm mean ah, and I'm ah, evil. Yeah. Ah, so. Yeah. I, I'm glad we avoided this subject yesterday on the show because I don't know if we would have been allowed. To, I don't know what the rules. If you could say, I've, I've been out of it so long, I, I don't remember what the rules are. Dude, there was one. Well, you, have you heard our bit when we do the? So there was in the world of stupid one day we had a 
Um, there was a guy in Tasmania that jumped, you can look it up, jumped into a wishing well, but because of the monkeys that live there, the macaques, um, that the, they, they carry a deadly uh, form of herpes yeah. uh, to humans. Yeah. So like the hair from them was getting in the wishing well. The guy went in there, grabs all these coins, and he winds up with a deadly form of herpes from macaques. Yeah. So we keep playing the macaque soundbite all the time. That's really good. And we're I'm not gonna lie. saying the name of that's, a monkey. That's yeah. really that's really quite good. I dude, I radio is so stupid. So I think I've told you the famous story. We had a little bit of a friendship with um with Ryan Dunn on one of the shows that I used to be on. Oh, and cool. one time Ryan called in and was telling a story about how he had um, I believe urinate. No, how? Uh, who's the one that went to Uncle Vito? What was the guy's name? That, that was the guy from Jersey Shore. Who was the uncle? Um, who was Bam's uncle? That I was thought un- it was Vito. Was it Vito? It might have been Vito. Yeah. Um, uncle Vito had urinated on someone in a stunt, mm-hmm. right? And I, I did not know that you're not allowed to say peed on, like or pissed on was what he said. You and, can't. Ryan Dunn said, yeah, and Vito, whatever his name is, Vito pissed on this guy. And, like, a sentence later, he said, and the guy was really pissed off. And I was informed by the program director at the time, because we had pre-recorded the interview, you can leave pissed off in, but you have to edit out pissed on. Well, which one's better, to be pissed off or pissed That's, off? I'm like, I'm well, I sure. think we all know it's better to be pissed off than to be pissed on. I think we're all quite aware of that. Boy, do oh, I oh. oh, do I have a story I could tell you about that. Oh, God, it's a story <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to share on air at any point. That'll be a, that'll be a private story. Um, <laughs> I swear to I'm like, I'm I like, know you couldn't say pissed on. I think I, I've I, said it a couple times. I, they, I swear you said you cannot describe that act on another human being. Well, we had Steve-O in studio who, I don't know if anybody saw his one-man show when he came to oh, town. Oh. I know he's coming back to town again, but he showed video of things. So he did a video. He wanted to be the first guy to jump out of an airplane while, uh, you know, burping the worm. Um, so, and of course, because he hasn't jumped out of an airplane enough, he had to do it with somebody strapped to his back. Oh, my God. So he's literally watching a laptop, and he's on the air telling the story. I'm on with Garceau, and he goes, I peed white is what he said. <laughs> and Scott's like, so, Scott's looking at him like, what is he talking? Ah, peed white. He went, Garceau. oh. It's, Gar- it's so much better that you're doing it with Garceau. Yeah. And by the way, today's Garceau's birthday. So happy, oh, birthday. happy birthday, Scott. Happy birthday to a legend. <laughs> um, all right. With that in mind, let's talk about the Mo Gabba dinner. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, let everybody know what's going on. So I, I posted it, shared it on social media. Um, there's a crab feast that's going to be at Red Acres Hydroponics Farm. Uh, great people who did a, an event last year where they raised money for Johns Hopkins Children's Center. Um, so you can go on my social media page. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. I've shared it multiple times. If you can't find it, you can send me a message if you want to go. Um, but, yeah, like really great people, great food, good times. They're going to have music, guest speakers. All kinds of stuff. Um, so, in and the crabs that they brought out last year for the day after when we we hung out after the the dinner that we did, um, they brought crabs. They were humongous, man. I'm awesome. talking like some of the biggest crabs I've ever seen in my life. Awesome. Uh, where should people go to yeah. find out more? Where where can I point them to? Um, I, I'd have to get the website in front of me because it's on my like I said, it's on my Facebook page. But uh, it's uh, you can go to Red Acre Farm Hydroponics if you want to look that up. But the easiest way is just to go online. And if you Google Mo Gabba dinner, it's coming up next month, um, and it's on a Saturday. It's it's going to be a really good time. It's a crab feast, so awesome. Uh, awesome. can't go wrong with it. And then they have 
I mean, the food there is great as well. So uh, just good, good spot. Excellent, excellent stuff. At Jeremy Con one zero five seven. What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Well, tomorrow we'll all be back finally after I spent a week in uh, COVID. Um, so everybody's back. We'll have some fun. Probably talk about some of the Ravens cuts. What's going to happen there, and then focus on the Orioles next series against Cleveland. Very good. Uh, pre- picks every day. Pressboxonline.com. Jeremy Con, love you, buddy. Glad you're better. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, man. I'll see you. Jamie Kahn, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan, checking in with us. Today's show is also brought to you by Simply The Bets, which returns tomorrow morning at 11.40 a.m. We get you ready for the week in sports betting, which, of course, includes a big week in college football. I I am very mad about something. Uh, First of all, you picked, you picked the uh, Ravens to cover. I did. That's loser. true. I did. I did. I thought I had my parlay. I didn't realize the number was only eight and a half in the New Mexico State Nevada game. I thought it was twelve and a half for some reason. So I literally, as I went to bed on Saturday night, I was like, "I nailed it, <laughs> nailed it." And then I checked, and I was like, "Oh, piss!" Because I got the Vanderbilt thing easy. Yeah, I decided to Vanderbilt uh, crushed Hawaii. Yeah, late Saturday night, I was like, "There was nothing that there was nothing to watch, nothing." And I was like, "Well, I want to watch this." Hawaii Vanderbilt game, so I decided to bet Hawaii money line. Oh, so for the first like series or two, I was like, "Let's go, Ooh, let's go." That's, that is and an eternally then, uh, bad bet. Yeah, that is was, a horrendous yeah, was bet. Not not the, not a smart decision. I I did have money on Northwestern, so wow. That well, I told you all along that there was no world in which Nebraska had earned the right to be a twelve and a half point favorite against anyone. Well, because I guess cause they beat Northwestern by fifty last year. It doesn't matter. This is still about Nebraska. Yeah, nothing they had done. Suggested they should. Now that being said, they were still up two scores in the second half, and then Scott Frost had that wacky idea to try to <laughs> kick an onside kick. Um, how funny is it? Did you hear the stories about what was going on in Ireland at the stadium? So they, oh yeah, the, the, power, the, the, the free the internet went out. So they were just, but apparently they were asking you to write your name down <laughs> and then come back and pay. A lot of Donald Ducks and Daffy Ducks, oh, probably. I'm so sure. I'm <laughs> so sure that people were willing to do that. Oh, yeah, I got you, dude. Absolutely. Dr. I.P. Freely. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Um, it's such a bad bit. And then, um, of course, Navy is going to play in Dublin, I believe, against Notre Dame next year. And so I kept seeing, like, Navy and Notre Dame fans realizing that all they've got to do is knock out the internet and they get all their beer for free next year. Mm. They had a nice, uh, they had a nice cup snake going as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was look, a pleasant, it was yeah, a pleasant trip for everybody except Scott Frost. Right. Everyone except Scott Frost. But we'll get you set up for uh, a full week one of betting tomorrow uh, in college football. That is, of course, on Simply the Bets, eleven forty a.m. and weekend at bookies this Thursday morning at eleven forty a.m. as well. It's all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. When we come back in, tidbit, tubit, or wrap up the day, Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, Birdland. Arrive early at the yard on Saturday, September 3rd, when the first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive the first ever Orioles soccer jersey presented by Pepsi. Don't miss out on this brand new crossover kit before the Orioles clash with the Oakland A's at 7.05 at the ballpark that forever changed baseball. What better way to celebrate Labor Day weekend than with your favorite home team on a Saturday night? Great seating options are available, and tickets start as low as $15 at Orioles.com slash tickets. That first sip. 
that first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at press box sports Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com glory days grill great food good sports the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover bo smolka profiles ravens tight end mark andrews path to nfl stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more also inside we introduce you to football players at maryland navy townsend and morgan state and we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of demos, ravens, and terps at pressboxonline.com. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me, right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, we wind down for a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Um, John checked in a couple times this morning. John, I apologize. Thank you. Um, good, he just said good morning, and that's, I feel bad because I'm like, I, it's so easy to just say good morning back, and I hadn't done it. Um, Wall Street Window said the Orioles took two out of three against Houston. People on Facebook are angry about the one game they lost. The fans are getting crazy. Houston's the best team in the AL. I understand what you're saying. We talked about this at the beginning of the show. In any reasonable world, this should be monumental. It's it's not it's not specifically the one game yesterday, though, to me. Like that's I have questions about the bullpen usage, things like that, but it's not about the one game. It's about the prolonged struggles of this offense and whether or not, given what they're up against. Griffin, you pointed out who the the three teams that are currently sitting in the wild card spots. Uh, who yes. are they playing? They're playing the Mar. So the Blue Jays play the Cubbies, and the Marlins have the the, the Rays, Rays have the, the Marlins, Marlins yeah. and then the Mariners have uh, somebody the else. Tigers, the Tigers, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So 
the the reality is the Orioles are up against it. They're very much in this thing and have a chance, but they're up against it. Their schedule is more difficult. Now, as was pointed out earlier, and I've said a couple times, if they can just hold their own against the Blue Jays, they have a path because they have so many games in hand with the Blue Jays. But their schedule is far more difficult than the schedules of the teams they're competing with to get in, just the way that it worked out. So in order to overcome that, they either need their pitching to be as brilliant as it was this weekend. Not the, the, the far better than we could have expected. I mean the genius. This weekend was genius from the Orioles starting pitching. They either need that to continue the rest of the season or their bats have to wake up. And I think we're right to be nervous, again, in the, in the micro. The macro is it, it's not the end of the world if this team doesn't make the playoffs. It's been a spectacular, special season, and we all see the foundation of what's coming for this franchise, and we can have that macro conversation. The micro is it is an incredibly tough path ahead of them for making the playoffs. And if they don't start getting things figured out offensively or continue to be vet, this was Maddox Glavin Smoltz type of stuff this weekend. This was Palmer McNally Quayar Dobson over the weekend. They either have to be that or the offense has to get itself figured out. And that's why we're all still a little apprehensive despite, yes, unquestionably, this being so much more than you could have ever asked for. Honest to God, Griffin, I'm not kidding about this. On Friday night, I went to the OAR show. By the way, Jerry did not sneak in uh, my wife and I's song, and I have not. Did, pr- did you hear from him? I did. He texted okay. me in the afternoon. Uh, he said, hang on a second. And by the way, I think I'm going to make a donation anyway just because mm-hmm. I did find out they were working on um, – with a charity on this tour, and I was like, I should do the right do the right yeah. thing and and make a donation anyway. Good for you, good for you. But I haven't done it yet, so don't say that. <laughs> okay. Yet. okay, I don't don't say good for me until I. <laughs> you sound like Olivia Rodrigo over there. Good, good for, for you. Happy, happy and healthy. healthy. Apparently, she performed with Billy Joel at Madison really? Square Garden. She came wow. out and they did Deja. Should have gone to that show. I definitely should have gone to that show. They did Deja Vu together, wow. which is a jam and a half. <laughs> jam and a half. Uh, at 1.26 p.m. on Friday, just said, hey, buddy, I'll do my best. That's mm-hmm. what I got back from him. And at that moment, I realized that's the nicest way you could possibly say no chance in hell. <laughs> like, love you. It ain't happening. Because um, he didn't follow it up with like, hey, do you want to get together while I'm here or anything? Like, it was just very much like, uh, dude, it, you know, you, you reached out to me the day of the show. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Although I will say, like, the last song of the set, uh, Mark, who's the singer of OAR, was like, "Well, this one came in as a request," and I was like, "Oh, oh, oh my god! Wow. What if he just oh told him? Oh my god! <laughs> he told him to word it like that, yeah, to, uh, to make was, sure." Uh, I was like, "Whoa!" And then it, they did. We'll pick up where we left off. Instead, I was like, "Oh, somebody else, maybe probably one of their family members, <laughs> put in a request since." Like, literally everybody sitting near us was a family member of someone in the band. Um, we had a great time. But as we got to the show, and I'm literally watching the game on my phone at the show because that's how into the Orioles I am. Yeah. My, my wife looks at me and she says, well, who's – because she always says this whenever I'm watching a game. Who's supposed to win is always the question she asks. Almost never 
Yeah, almost never the Orioles. Well, this season, you know, yeah. I, and a lot of times I'll be very honest, be like, it's very fifty-fifty, right? right? Yeah, that's I, it, that I typically say that. Like, I feel like all season long, since the Orioles, you know, turned things around, I typically say it's very fifty-fifty. On Friday, I was very clear: the Astros are supposed to win this game, and I said to her, "I was like, in fact, I think this is probably gonna. I think they're gonna get swept. I think this is gonna be in the end of the road." Obviously, it didn't happen. Big deal. Big deal. Uh, Casey, what happens first? Lamar gets the deal done, or the Orioles bring up Gunnar Henderson? It's, uh, I mean, I am assuming, Casey, that the answer is Gunnar Henderson. I assume that's the case, but... Maybe they can <sighs> simultaneously happen tomorrow. It would be really nice. It would just be really... Oh, my God. Oh, what a day. What a day it would be. God, it would be an amazing day. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Let's talk about the Toyota Tacoma. It comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, I got a couple here. Um, So on this day in 1953, Major League Baseball announced that the St. Louis Browns would be relocating to Baltimore. For the 1954 season, birthing the Baltimore Orioles. I did not realize that was on this day. I had no idea. Pretty cool. Pretty good. Um, All right. So now this one from Nathan Ruiz. uh, It's all all that ever happens. The Browns move to Baltimore. It's all that ever occurs within. What are the odds? (laughs) Anyway. Shout out, Browns. All right. So uh, from Nathan Ruiz, uh, he tweeted on after Saturday's game. uh, So after Lyles, Bradish, and Kramer all went seven plus. Um, at least seven innings and three straight starts. That was the first time the Orioles had gotten three straight starts of at least seven innings since July 31st to August 2nd of 2017. I can't believe it was that recent. I, know, I can't that believe <laughs> it was in 2017. So when you're naming, uh, you know, uh, Palmer, Cuellar. Yeah, right. What I should and, really and be Dobson, naming you should is. be saying Ubaldo Jimenez. Right. Dylan Bundy. And. Jeremy Hellickson. Ah, right. <laughs> of course. The, the, they call them the three horsemen, don't they? <laughs> I think so. Uh, another Father, one. Son, and Holy Spirit, I believe. Another one is another Albert Pujols thing uh, that I saw from yesterday. Pujols uh, made his 63rd Sunday Night Baseball appearance last night uh, in the, what was it, Braves-Cardinals game. That was from uh, Ben Cafardo of ESPN, and that ranks fourth behind Derek Jeter, 71 appearances on Sunday Night Baseball, Yadier Molina, 67, and A-Rod of 65. How about that? Yeah. All right, now finally... Uh, so from Cespedes Family Barbecue, we tweeted. I did see some of the Wainwright stuff from last night, where like he was mic'd up oh, yeah, during the warmups. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Cespedes Family Barbecue, he tweeted back in 2013 that Barry Bonds had oh over God. 200 the, more intentional unreal. walks. It's unreal. Go ahead. Than the entire race franchise. Um, so that brought back. So that t- tweet was brought back to life by Jim Passan, who pointed out that Bond still is 28 more intentional walks than the entire Rays franchise. In their history. Like in yeah. the history of yes. the franchise. Since 1998, when the Rays became uh, a team, Bonds has 428 since 1998 as well. Just just throw that out there. So the Rays have 660. Bonds has 688 in his career. It's unbelievable. Um, and then Albert Pujols, number two, with uh, 316. Um, so that is leading me to my question. Glenn, can you name the top eight Orioles with the most intentional walks in their career? Ever? Yes. Top like eight Orioles. just while they were in Baltimore, I'm assuming? Or um, Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I'm, so I'm going to guess that like Reggie Jackson was intentionally walked a few times. Yeah. But, you know, yes and no. Sammy so, Sosa so was probably In walked. an Orioles uniform, yes. In an Orioles uniform. Um, Frank. 
Frank is on here. What's the, how many did Wait. you say I'm doing? I'm guessing. Okay, he's number uh, uh eight total, and he is number six. Okay, sixty intentional. Just uh, did not Frank. have as long of a tenure in Baltimore mm-hmm. as some of the others. Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray is number one with 135. Makes intentional. all the sense in the world. Um. Boog Pal. Boog Pal is number two. Four less intentional walks than Eddie Murray with 131. Carl Ripken. Carl Ripken is fourth 107 times. He was intentionally put on the base pass. So those are the obvious ones. Um, Sweet Swing and Kenny Singleton. Yes. Number five, Ken Singleton. 185. Obviously not as much of a power hitter, but he was just such a productive hitter that it makes Mm. sense that they would want to take the bat out of his hands. Looking Um, for three more. Chris Davis. Chris Davis only intentionally walked 44 times. He rounds out the top 10. A little bit surprised by that, if I'm being completely honest. Um, Brady Anderson. Brady Anderson, number seven, 57 intentional walks. Number three, you're still missing number three, and number eight. I'll say Brooks just because of the longevity. Yes, 120 intentional walks for Brooks Robinson. Number three all time. When you play in one city for for 22 years or whatever the hell it was. I mean, my God. And then... Number eight, a little bit of a tough one. I'm trying to mm, uh, wonder what a good hit here is. Raphael Palmero. There you go. Oh, wow. Raphael Palmero. Well, wow, he played. That? He played exactly a thousand games with the Orioles. How about that? How about that? Very good. That was intentionally good list. walked fifty-two times. Good list. Logical list. That makes all the sense in the world. All right. Uh, here's coming up. Totally tubular wise. Totally tubular is brought to you by ooh, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland and the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the best place to be. There is still time. I have been talking about this weekend for months, and there's still time for you to make your plans to be down there. For week one of college football season on Saturday, you can still get your fantasy draft shifted to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And the betting pads are now there. They're operational. You could camp out all day long on Saturday in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And you don't ever have to go back to the window. You don't ever have to go back to the 61 self-service kiosks, which are conveniently located throughout the area, but still... You could just have your spot, your reclining chair, your table, and bet all day on a delicious menu of college football games coming up here in week one of the season. This is the day of days, plus there's tennis going on all day. You'll be betting on that. By the way, we should be getting time and a half for working right now because the tennis started at 11 a.m. Hey, I can get behind that. Maria Zachary is already upset, and I don't. I, I forgot my iPad. How's uh, Andy Murray He's going? A, uh, he took the first set as well. Wow. He took the first set as well. Uh, Daniil Medvedev getting underway right now on Arthur Ashe. Ah! You can bet all of that on Saturday as well. In the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Um, uh, email events at sportssocialmd.com in order to reserve your spot. And with that in mind, that really is about all that's going on today. The Orioles, of course, are off. But there is tennis. Serena Williams opens up her final U.S. Open, we think. We, we're pretty sure. We're pretty sure about that. Uh, she opens up that tonight at uh, just after, I believe it's just after 7, because I think they still do the uh, the opening ceremony thing mm-hmm. where they have like a, a little mini concert or whatever. Oh, really? It's always been the most dreadful thing for me. Is that why Olivia Rodrigo's up in New York? 
I don't. I actually, I don't even know who's doing it. It's like, and it's so random every oh, year. Okay. You have no idea. Like, it'll it'll be anywhere from like somebody very old. Like it was Tony Bennett. And then it might be like a a hip. Like it's just it's all over the place. Little baby. Um, but Serena Williams tonight in action at the U.S. Open as she opens up her final U.S. Open. The coverage is on ESPN during the day, and then it um it's also on ESPN two tonight. I do like that they're doing that. Like so that I guess. Ash Ash will be on ESPN, and then Louis Armstrong Stadium and the outside courts will be on ESPN too, starting tonight at seven. MLB Network Yankees Angels at nine thirty. Uh, Maryland Field Hockey's on TV today at oh, three o'clock on the go. Big Ten Network. They take on Stanford. Some uh, local soccer this evening. UMBC hosting Lehigh. By the way, uh, UMBC put up eight goals against Fairfield in their opener, oh including uh, the number Sports Center uh, number one play of the night. Oh yeah, I which was amazing. I believe. <laughs> Boost. I'm trying to remember the guy, the kid's name. The most ridiculous, like splits two defenders, goes around a third, scores, like, a, passes oh, it, was, it to himself again. Didn't he? Absolutely was... awesome. They host Lehigh tonight at 7:30. America East TV. Loyola's at Delaware at seven o'clock on Flow Sports. The USA Network tonight for WWE Monday Night Raw at eight. Some non-sports highlights. Not a whole lot either. Uh, never too late to catch up on the Bachelorette episode. Ah. Episode eight of that yes. tonight on ABC at eight. Um, it is the finale of American Ninja Warrior season 14 finale. That is also at eight on NBC. And then uh, episode two of uh, season two for Kevin can f himself. Oh, I do. I haven't even watched episode one yet. I do. Got. I need to do that. I got to get on it. But I also have to watch the the McAfee thing. Ah, mm-hmm. got to do that. They'll both be there. All right. Um. Thanks today to uh Jeremy Khan. Thanks to Tyus Bowser. Thanks to Mike Exisa. Thanks to Joel Corey. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the tab at com. Jim Bowden's going to join us tomorrow. Um put out his own top prospects list and does not have Gunnar Henderson as high as everybody else does. Still pretty high. Still high, like yeah. number five, if I remember yeah. correctly. But just everybody else seems to have him one or two. So I, I just going to ask a little bit about that, but also about these decisions the Orioles have to make. Um, stuff and things tomorrow on the program. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Casa Sin, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, Maryland Vascular Specialists, and the all-new Ginsu Grill. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go Serena Williams. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.